Hey, hey, welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. And this episode, we have um, a wonderful guest, Valerie Cheney, and we are going to talk about uh, trauma, um, doing inner work, healing, um, some f- fascinating stuff, as well as her own personal journey um, out of kind of um, evangelical, kind of charismatic Christianity. She's got a fascinating story. Um, and so I'm excited to dive into that. Before we do, just want to remind you to check out the deconstructionnetwork.com, which is a free resource helping people that are deconstructing their faith, going through radical shifts of faith. Um, find other people in their local area that are going through similar journeys, um, maybe having lost friends, family, community, being um, exiled from church communities, whatever it looks like. It can be a very lonely and isolating process for a lot of people. And so the deconstructionnetwork.com is a completely free resource to help people connect. Um, and so I'd encourage you to check that out. Um, and also just to remind people... Um, all of the stuff I do, the podcast, the show, the talking with people and helping them on their journeys, putting out the deconstruction network, the grace course, different resources that help people. It's all for free. Um, I never ask for anything. Um, but if you would like to support what I'm doing, I've got a Patreon. It's just search Phil Drysdale or phildrysdale.com slash partner. Um, and you can partner with what I'm doing. There's a private discussion group for people that um, are doing that. We have fascinating conversations. We had a conversation last week about polyamory. This week we've been talking about, um, you know, discussing with your family um, deconstruction, how to have healthy conversations around that. We've talked about um, having healthy relationships when the other partner isn't deconstructing and you are. Um, so really interesting conversations as a thank you to those that do partner. Um, and we do a monthly uh, Zoom call together and a few other different perks. Um, and so if you're interested in that, do check that out. Um, right, that's enough of me rambling. Let's chuck in, to, uh, chuck in, jump in to this conversation with Valerie. I am so excited um, for you guys to experience this because I really loved this conversation. Hey, hey. Hi. I am sorry I'm running late. My headphones died. Like, as I'm starting, I'm like, why are these not working? I'm like, dude, time. And, you know, the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. Are you late? I feel like you're... I'm, like, a minute late. So, I'm I'm British, though. I, I'm, like, I'm the person, if I'm not five minutes early, I'm, like, running late. And, yeah. Oh, so well, me. lucky for you, I'm the person that if I'm running five minutes late, I'm considered on time. So. There you go. Perfect. Well, we're like the perfect combination for this conversation. It's so great to meet you. It's so honestly, nice to meet you. I'm so Thank chuffed for that, having me. that you would be up for this. Um, I was saying to my wife, I was, I was, she knows I'm a big fan of Pete. I, I love Pete's stuff. I love his podcast. I just, I love people that are um, exploring spirituality and life and have come from the tradition of Christianity, which is my background, um, but um, don't have the kind of shackles that are required within that tradition. Um, and, and so I've always loved that. And, and um, she will testify to you. I'm like, I have been so stoked about the podcast that you guys are doing because I'm like, this uh, is it. This is this is really condensed. This is what I listen to Pete talking to comedians. I'm like, I love comedy. I could listen to Pete talking to comedians for three hours. But really, I listen to him talk to comedians for three hours. So I get some like 20 minutes juice of like, well, what do they actually think about life and this right. whatever? If we can so split it up like that, or, you know, it's all good. It's yeah. All good, right. But <laughs> so like, right, like, right. this conversation with Al, I'm like, this is it. It's just two hours of awesome. Like everything is awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, so, we're get we're getting to the good stuff right away. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love it so much. And so, yeah, I I just thought you know, um, I would love to dive into 
your journey and like and maybe unpack some of the things you've been talking about on the podcast things like working through katie byer and stuff or barring katie katie i keep getting my brain i had steven mitchell Everyone. on uh, my podcast just last week and um I did the same thing and I'm like, dude, of all the people you get the name wrong to, don't do it to his, her husband, you know? <laughs> all good. Oh, that's all so good. funny. But he's also, I, I barely know him, but um, he, from what Pete has told me, he's also kind of the perfect person Absolutely. to do that to. Or, and Katie would be too, because yeah. both of them are like, my name isn't who I am, you know? <laughs> right. They're like, who even is that? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm like, okay, might as well be Katie oh, Bright Byron. I absolutely <laughs> love it. But like, again, that's what I've loved about your conversations with Pete in a sense is like, I was saying to Till, I was like, man, I have tried to get into to Katie's stuff so much. And there's some, there's been levels of blockages for the, over the years. I tried it a couple of years ago and I just wasn't, I wasn't, it's before I'd had any experience with maybe psychedelics. It's before I'd maybe really delved into meditation where I really was able to meditate. Like I, I tried meditation, but I was failing miserably if you can pass or fail at meditation. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But there was something about like, I was starting to tiptoe into it. I was like, I'm getting this. I kind of am getting it. I'm able to do some of the work. And then when it was like listening to you guys talk through it, I was like, Oh, and it was like, you know, just legs on the whole thing. There was something about, that's how it works and so yeah. you guys have been my girls yeah. uh for the last kind of oh. however long you've been doing it five weeks or so you've been helping me do the work just by exploring what that tangibly has looked like um wow so, yeah well so. i'm happy to hear that and i you're not alone in that that introduction to katie because i also have been throughout the years people recommend you know when you're like into this stuff people mm -hmm. will always recommend you know, people who are in the same um, field and people would recommend her to me. And I, I actually listened to her book, A Mind at Home with Itself when I was pregnant. Um, and I was like, this is cool, but it just like, wasn't earth shattering. And I didn't, I certainly didn't practice the work um, then. And then Pete got interested in her. And I was like, I don't think that's, for me like I just didn't seem like it it just didn't seem like the way to it for me yeah. it wasn't the road um and um and then I listened a little bit more to her stuff and I kind of I kind of got locked in mm -hmm. um but that being said Pete still is like she has changed his relationship with his parents mm. he is like very pra like practicing the work every day and I can see how it was it was it's been really important for him because he's the type of person who um we always talk about it he's like so it's kind of what makes him a good comedian is that he has like very firm beliefs and opinions on things it, it, and on everything right. you know <laughs> like everything he comes across he he has an opinion about it right love it so or hate it kind of exactly yeah and then tell you exactly why he loves it or exactly why he hates it That's so um funny. and so for someone like that it's really powerful mm. because you start to think that your your beliefs are truth and um you lose sight of the fact that like everything is perception and being filtered through your own experience right you know? yeah yeah 
That's yeah. Amazing. So I- that, that makes sense to me because I'm very like that as well. And my wife will laugh because I am like, I'll talk about non-dualism, but I'm probably the most dualistic person in the planet. You know, like I'm so absolute yeah. all nothing, good, bad, right, wrong. And I'm so ca- like catastrophic in my thinking, you know, like mm-hmm. we, we have, um, we had some people around doing some work today, which stresses me out anyway, doing some like DIY in the house. And I'm like, oh, I just, you do that. You're an expert, fix it. And they didn't do a great job. And this is why you don't get cowboys to kind of do the job, but we, had, we didn't have many options. And I'm like, it's fine. And as we're doing it, I look up at the roof and I'm like, what's that? And I kind of climb up on a chair and start poking. I'm like, oh, cool. We've got a leak. Like the roof is wet, you know? Oh, and, no. and it's, but like, it's so funny. Cause like my, my wife is like, so she, you know, she's, she can have her own stuff, but she's so chill with stuff. Like she's like, oh, you know, well, we'll call mm. a plumber and we'll just see what it is. There's no need to worry. Maybe it's even the neighbor's thing. It might not even be our problem. You know, like I am literally yeah. like, oh my God, there's a whole bath of water right above my head. We, we move <laughs> wrong and the whole house will be a swimming pool and then we'll be in debt. We're going to lose the house. We're going to lose so much money. Like, but my oh. mind is like off and, and I'm getting yeah. so much better at kind of going, is that true? Can I know that? Right. And in some ways yeah. it's so easy for someone a bit like me or Pete because- our, our truth is so farcical in a sense because it's so extreme if that makes mm-hmm. sense you know like yep is it true no there's definitely not that much water up there because there's a there's the bedroom is above there right you know it's like right can't be that much water um, yes and so it's just yes. so funny I, I and so yeah but I think it is um it's so intriguing the the work but I what I love yeah. as well and this is something I was really keen to have you on by the way, we've dove right in. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> At some point, we'll ask you, how Please. was your day? Are you doing well? <laughs> I mean, this is all, all I want to talk about. So is, I'm happy to dive me. right in. So, um, but I want to talk about you as well. And we'll, we'll maybe dive into that at some point. But, but I'm really intrigued. You talk a lot about, um, and this is something I work with a lot. The people I work with are coming out of toxic um, religion, more often than not, some form of evangelical Christianity, mm-hmm. um, something like that. And, and a lot of them have like religious trauma, um, which is kind of like a subset of complex PTSD and, you know, all sorts mm-hmm. of different stuff. Um, and you talk quite openly in, your, in the podcast you're doing about your work through trauma as well. And almost mm-hmm. as a side by side of the work that you're doing with Katie Byron, or Katie yeah. Byron, Katie, yeah. Lord help me, honestly. You just call her Katie. <laughs> I want to, and then I just can't help but add one more. I'm like, but Byron's in there somewhere. Um, yeah. Anyway, whatever. Um, but I think that's a really interesting component because it's something that I know my wife struggled with a lot, and I don't struggle as much with with um, Katie's stuff because it's it's quite intellectual, and I think I live in my head and my thoughts, and I'm like, yes, okay, yeah. if I just look at that thought, that's the problem, and if I change that thought, then it's fixed, and I am not grounded in myself. Like I can be, like morbidly depressed for four days and my wife goes what's up and I'm like I don't know what, what do you mean and she's like you seem really down and it's only after looking mm. back I'm like oh yeah I've been really depressed for like four days you know I just am not yeah. as aware of my stuff like emotionally yeah. and 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 I know a lot of the work that you've been doing in in your own process going through trauma and stuff is very much like what's going on in the body what's being stored in the body like mm. I'm really intrigued by that like how did you get into um all the kind of like trauma side of things and and how does it differ how does it kind of work in this kind of world of 
mind body it was very dualistic again how we break that up right it's very um yeah. Descartes or whatever right you've got your mind and your soul your mind and your body and yeah and never the two shall meet never right <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah absolutely oh well I'm just so excited by this question because it's all I think about really um and I'm not surprised that your wife is having kind of this it sounds like you and your wife are having the same dynamic with Katie as Pete and I where for me, I, I can really get into Katie when she's talking about um, like pure awareness and um, and I guess everything kind of that the work leads you to, that's when she's totally my jam. But you're right, the work and the, the reason why it doesn't work for me all the time or it isn't what I um, subscribe to all the time is because it's kind of... Um, it's like getting to pure awareness by playing your mind's games. Mm. Like your mind is, is what's blocking you and you are like appeasing it and you're, you're kind of beating it at its own game. Um, and for me, what has been more successful, if that, if I could use that word to, to getting back to identifying with pure awareness, um, what's been more successful and what's been more fulfilling is cultivating a relationship with with my body and going through through my body so it's not that my mind isn't doing in fact I think the whole situation of like the worst case scenarios and spiraling out and everything that you shared is a voice that all of us have my therapist would call it the strategic mind um and so the strategic mind is always thinking of worst case scenarios. It's always planning and organizing. It's trying to make sense of what your experiences are. Mm. Um, it, it wants answers. It wants plans. It wants, um, it wants like security basically. Uh, and if you think about it, it's also tied to, to me, it's tied to masculine energy and feminine energy because that's a very like masculine thing. And I'm not saying men, I mean, women sure. can have more masculine energy and men can have Pete. We like to say is 60, 40, he's like 60 masculine, 40 feminine. <laughs> um, but your body is, is just more feminine in the sense of being intuitive, mm. feeling, being flexible, um, being like flowing. Like it's one minute it's feeling something and the next minute it's feeling another thing. And it's, it's fine with that. It's the mind that's like, well, that doesn't make sense. I was okay with this person hugging me before. And now they're, I, I'm using that example because my, my two-year-old daughter just found a friend and I'm seeing this pattern because she has no filter. So like one minute she'll be okay with this friend hugging her. And the next she's like, no. And she has no problem saying no. There's yeah. no accountability for like, well, you were okay with it before, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some deep She's consent just, lessons in there somewhere. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And she's just listening to her body, like whatever her body is wanting in that moment. So to answer, that's a long way, a long introduction to answering your question. But um, I started doing trauma work it it all kind of came up for me when I got pregnant. Um, I it's a, it's a funny story of like 
I did a lot of, I, I knew that we were going to be trying to get pregnant. So we did like a bunch of psychedelics beforehand. And that is a you can't do it while you're pregnant, probably, you know, you might as well enjoy it now. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I was like, this is my last, I can't foresee. I mean, not only will I not do it when I'm pregnant, I'm probably going to not do it or feel differently right. about it when I have a baby. And um, so, so we did a bunch and, and I just did, I did the exact same amount of everything as Pete, who's like a hundred times right? heavy. <laughs> yeah. He's a huge man. <laughs> um, so I really like, I think what was happening in my mind was I, I depleted serotonin and dopamine, but I think my body used that as an opportunity to be like, there's some stuff in here that you have not acknowledged mm. that needs that needs clearing out to like make way literally for new life and and to stop patterns um, that are happening. So so it was this huge opportunity. And I didn't know, by the way, I mean, that's in hindsight. Like I didn't right. know that that's what was happening. But all I knew that was happening was that I was depressed in a way that I had never been. And I was having like six hour panic attacks. And so I have come to see now that that was my body's wisdom being like, we will no longer let you ignore this. Like, and anxiety like that is, is just your body saying there's something in here that needs to be addressed. It's not whatever you think you're anxious about. That's not actually an issue. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, the anxiety comes first and then that the, the organizing mind later gives it a story. Well, we must be anxious because of COVID or the fires. Or, I mean, there's, it's mm. like a, there's anybody's choice <laughs> that's right. happening there's so right many now. stories we could just pick, right. That you know, yeah. easily bypass the actual issue potentially, because it's not that's hard exactly. to find something that I'm probably anxious about right now. You know, that's, that's right. Absolutely. So then it's, it's just a matter of going. So when I feel something like anxious about something, I can kind of, I just try to like, and, and I don't do this all the time. Sometimes I can get really pulled into the mind and it's only in hindsight that I recognize like, Oh shit, I was really pulled in there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I really believed all of the stories. Um, but more and more I'm, I'm trying to notice, the anxiety and just kind of you can't really quiet the mind you just allow the mind to tell its story and you create this spaciousness of okay that's that's one thing that's happening that's like one voice are there any other voices in there that want to say something and you like give your body a chance to Sing its song or to tell its version of things and you just kind of feel the feeling without and your mind will go okay this will never end I'm going to feel this forever um it'll tell its own stories and then you just kind of say okay yeah I see that thank you I'm but you don't latch on to it or follow it mm. and really what I found when I was pregnant and practicing this is that the feelings come up and they feel really intense and you just sit with the sensation. And then it's almost like as soon as you realize all that's happening is I just have like a lot of energy flowing right now, right. Or wherever it is in your body. Right. 
it just like just kind of dissipates. So it was a big wow. practice. My first practice with trauma before I even knew that I was really dealing with trauma was sitting with the feeling and saying, thank you. I release you or thank you when you're ready. I release you and letting it just come up and out with all these really intense feelings. Um, and then later I found a really great therapist because once you get deep into trauma work, you need some kind of guide I think um not to say that you can't do some healing on your own but you're going to like your scariest places and you it's really like your child self is going to its scariest places mm. so it's a child you need supervision right <laughs> you know? yeah yeah yeah. Some safe yeah. There. but yeah but the thing that has come from it is I I have been for the first time in my life I am most of the time I am very embodied and I have found that when I am in my body, everything else just kind of falls into place. Mm -hmm. And when there is, it doesn't mean that I'm like always happy, but there is a sense, there's actually a sense of order that is created way more than if I let the mind try to organize. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's way more organized if you are in your body as opposed to your mind. So then your mind can kind of settle down once you sense that there's like a grounded organization to all of this. Um, And it's a, it's a huge gift. I mean, it's, it's changed my life. And then you look back and you realize how disembodied you were and how disconnected you know and that's a really common thing for trauma of course it is because your body hasn't been a safe place it's been having extreme feelings and it had them at a time when you didn't have the resources to deal with it that's what trauma is right so the it's a very smart defense to be like okay bye yeah (laughs) later let's not go there I'm cutting off the connection. You know, you're, you're causing problems. We're just not going to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, your mind yeah. to your body, oh, you know? Yeah. That's so crazy. I've, I'm really, as you can tell, I'm too excited about this. I get, I have yeah. a million things to say about it. But, oh, but and I, I am like, I've probably been the quietest I've been in a long time. <laughs> I was, I was just editing a podcast I did with, um with Rob, uh, Rob Bell. I think you guys know Rob. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was laughing because, man, that was an ego trip for me because I've been following Rob for like, since I was like a teenager, we used to show his like Numo videos to like the youth group and stuff. So I love Rob and I'm like, oh my God, this is it. And I was, I was feeling sort of in my body the whole day. Like I was like mm. quite anxious, uptight, but I couldn't, I didn't know why. I was like, Rob is like a personal communicator. Like he is the easiest going guy in the world. He's the nicest guy in the world. He, if I came up and was like, uh, 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 Rob, he would still be like, hey, hi, welcome to Phil's show. You know, he would, he would like <laughs> take her and help me, you know, like, and yeah, I couldn't help like not be in that space. And, mm-hmm. um, and I just realized, good God, it was only a few days later I was doing the work and I was like, oh, that was my child. 
That was the little boy yeah. that wants Rob to think, oh, look at Phil. Isn't he also amazing? Isn't he also cool or funny or whatever, right? Yeah. Whatever that is. It's yeah. like my ego going on some trip of like, recognize and acknowledge me, Rob, and whatever. But all that to say yeah. is just aside, but like, man, that was some deep work that happened in me. And then when I got to speak to Stephen, who I also really respect, probably haven't followed him for nearly as long because I was a good evangelical Christian boy. I wasn't going to be reading a translation of like the bag of the Vito, you know, Jing <laughs> yes. or whatever. Um, right. But uh, when I spoke to him, I was like, oh, that stuff's coming up minimally. And I can just be like, huh, interesting. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Good to know. And let it go. Um, wow. and, and just allow that to happen. But what I, what I was going to say, I mean, the reason I brought it up was I, I was editing this podcast with Rob and I'm like looking at it and I'm like, I spend three minutes asking a question that Rob takes like 30 seconds to answer. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, I am like, the most quiet I've ever been because I'm just like please talk about this stuff like so please do not feel like you on any level you are rambling about this because I am so intrigued and also I spend day in day out talking to hundreds of people that are working through their their trauma working through these extraordinarily just screwed up situations you know from abuse yeah. systems or or even like more spiritually abusive like they have believed in a big god in the sky that's watching everything they do and they will hit them with a stick for eternity if they do oh. x wrong or y right you know it's just and then even when you yeah. don't believe in god that way maybe you have a new concept of god or maybe you don't even believe in a hell you're still waking mm -hmm. up in the dead of night freaking out about hell or whatever you know because you've yeah. grown up with that thing that the inner child that was pushed down how many times did we push that kid down as a christian when okay. you were going really to, so for eternity even if you're good but you didn't say the prayer and it's like well, shh, just push that one down we're not gonna look there too closely um that yeah, kid's right. coming to the surface yeah. in a dream or maybe when we're lying trying to get to sleep and he suddenly comes up and is like uh, you know you don't believe in that anymore but what if you're wrong right from what i learned in church if you're wrong you're really fucked <laughs> you know yes. like things are yes. not gonna go well for you phil if you get hit by a car tomorrow and it turns <laughs> out you're wrong um, yes and so there's some oh. deep stuff people are like you know navigating and and even when they intellectually like we're talking about right intellectually i have people message me and go, i've not believed in hell for a decade and yet still right. am racked by fear that i'm going to get sent somewhere that i don't even believe in so of it's course. not an intellectual I mean, maybe on some level they do believe. I think intellectually they do clearly believe on some levels, something, some inner child, some part, however we frame that. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. What, is that, what does that look like as we, you know, there's, there's a lot of that you're talking about just like going, okay, what's going on body in the day to day? I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a bit anxious. All right, well, let's let myself be anxious. Let me observe it. Let me see what's going on. But mm -hmm. is there a different kind of protocol of like, okay, I know there's certain things that bother me they only come up mm -hmm. here, there, or everywhere. They're not like a constant nag or they're not a whatever. Like, how mm -hmm. do people go about, I'm thinking of that example specifically because good God, I get a dozen messages like that every week, at least specifically about mm -hmm. being racked with fear about a belief like hell or something in the past, kind of just nagging mm -hmm. them here and there. Like, mm -hmm. is there a process in which rather than a as we go kind of process and just observe, work through, go through, is there a process that we can kind of start digging in a sense? Um, mm -hmm. is that something that like, you know, you talk about having therapy, maybe that's a, a key component, having someone that kind of knows how to dig, knows where to prod. Um, yeah. but like, yeah. How, how would you go about that kind of component of, of dealing with that kind of traumatic stuff? Yeah. I, you know, it is interesting. That's a great question. I, 
I mean, I'm such a proponent of, of therapy, but I'm also a huge proponent of meditation. And I think that both of those things are sort of inviting. I mean, there's like a little bit of an opening there of like, okay, show, show me my work. I mean, and we all have it. We all have our sort of assignment. Um, and or karma or however you want to look at it. They, these are the things that we've been given to work through. And um, so therapy for sure, but also if you are just getting still um, and practicing stillness, which I mean, it can be as simple as for people who don't meditate, it can be as simple as sitting, uh, you know, I'm, right now I'm cross-legged with a straight spine um, focusing on your breath. So really you're just placing your attention on your breath. Mm -hmm. And then when your mind inevitably wanders from your breath, you just return it back. You just label that as thinking and return it back to the breath. It's mm -hmm. so simple. It's like three steps. Um, and just doing that and making commitment to do that, you will notice once your body feels safe to release that it will start to show you things and it will release mm. extreme feelings and it, you know, um, but for me, you know, I think I, I think that's where Katie also comes in in handy is like, you have a belief like the Rob thing or you just notice, I mean, it, there's, it's just about starting to notice. Sometimes I say notice when you're not noticing, like try to just notice, whoa, I was asleep. You'll start to realize that you're going through your day a, a completely asleep. You're living oh, in whatever world. Yeah. 99%. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm lucky, yeah. I get a percent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then that's perfect. That's the perfect point because then you do get a, it might be one minute a day. Or Eckhart Tolle says, just try to take one conscious breath a day. Oh, and then you'll realize that that felt delicious and you'll want to do another oh, one. You yeah. know? And sometimes it just starts with that tiny crack in the door of realizing like, wow, I am so in my head all day. And you can't like resisting that doesn't work or, or being like, well, I, I failed it today then because I was just totally in my head. Like none of that is very helpful information. It's mm -hmm. just like, it's, it's a constant forgetting and remembering. It's a constant opportunity to begin again. Um, that's why the practice of focusing on your breath. And then when your mind wanders, returning back to the breath, it's like every time you return back to the breath, you are showing your nervous system, your mind, your whole, your whole system um, that the nature of life is to kind of wander and, and begin again. It's just, it's expansion and contraction. It's in and out. It's the breath. It's the pulsation of the universe. Like how many clues do we need? It's the tides. Like everything is right. in and out, in and out, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I think that's a really, I think there are actually a million opportunities a day to start scratching the surface of, of your own work. Um, we just aren't seeing them as opportunities. We're seeing them as like obstacles or things that we have to just kind of power through or ignore or disconnect from. 
Um, and for me, because this, I don't think this is the only way to it. Um, but for me, just slowing down and practicing my focusing on my breath or doing a body scan, or mm -hmm. I love this one. This is an Eckhart Tolle one. You do, um, do a body scan and then you with your eyes closed, you ask yourself, how do I know I have hands? Yes. Oh, <laughs> it's incredible. It's I, tricky. I did that the first time a couple of weeks ago and I like, I like almost immediately. Right. So I, this is how in the moment I was, I immediately got up and ran through to my wife. Cause we both work from home right now. And I'm like, you got to try this thing. And I'm like, I kind of missed the, the being in it for like, you know, I mean, I got it for a few minutes and right. I'm like, now I have to share this with someone, but it's, oh it's such God. a like, like, yeah. Like what is, yeah, it is. It's amazing how you can have these moments. I, I, I frequently kind of go back to like these moments that you can have on something like a psychedelic and you, you have these moments and you, you, you look at a hand and be like, what is this thing? Like, what is this thing on my arm? Wait, what's my arm? Like, or whatever. Right. And you like, <laughs> and you start thinking about, you know, you start breaking down. You're like, what is like, these are just a bunch of atoms, like just combined in a, in a hand and that's me. But, yeah. At what point is it not me? You started, but it's amazing when you can not be under the influence of something so powerful. So whatever, maybe a lot of people are not in that place. A lot of people listen to this are going like, wait, whoa, 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 what? Um, yeah. And that's okay. That's really okay. Like that's not um, required by any means. And, and I think that's the point is like, you can have these moments where you, you kind of step beyond yourself or maybe it's not beyond yourself it's both probably beyond yourself but almost into yourself as into well at yourself. the same time yeah um yes. and it's just it's yes. such a fascinating um window that you yeah. can kind of look through and go oh this is what's going on um, yeah it's, it's really it's, yeah. it's a profound thing it's a gift yeah. to to be able to have have an opportunity to just realize that you are that your reality isn't all there is that mm. you have and that's that's the gift that katie gives is like just start questioning these things that you think you know for sure and it can be so scary and that's why i know that a lot of your listeners are are in the phase of deconstruction um that is the gift of that is it's actually kind of never over. Mm. You just are deconstructing your Christian upbringing. But once just you've deconstructed, and <laughs> yeah, then you'll find something else to deconstruct. And then it's right. a constant, um, it's a constant like tearing down, rebuilding, tearing it down. I mean, it's, I, mean, I just keep going back to contraction and expansion because I feel mm. like that's more, that's more accurate where it's like things get really as soon as we get too rigid something will blow it up or we'll start chipping away or whatever and then you you get really scared that's like existential you're like yeah, well what yeah. who am i without this and exactly and so there's a period of time in trauma work that they act, they, um, I'm reading this great book for anybody who's interested in, in diving deep, um, called the post-traumatic guidebook by Arielle Schwartz. And, um, she 
I think it's even whoever wrote the foreword um, mentioned that there, it's, it's actually existential work because there is a period of time when you're working with trauma where you are stuck in between who you were and who you're meant mm. to become. And how true is that with, so with anything really, <laughs> you know, like with yeah. deconstructing your faith, it's terrifying. There's a, there's an untethered feeling to, well, if I'm not this person, often that other people have told me that I am, um, then, then who am I? And you never stay in that place. That means that you are exactly right on track. And that what you're going to find out is that you are actually way more expansive than you believed you were, that you were, you, you were just looking at a tiny, tiny part and, and you're pulling back the veil and seeing that there's so much more than you thought. And that's true of, I mean, that was my experience with um, deconstructing too, was that it, it, in hindsight, I realized that it wasn't that I was like losing God. It was that I was seeing the smallest part of God and that I peeled back and saw that it was way bigger and better than I even expected, you know? Mm. So it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a hero's journey. That's the whole that's why we love in our house. We love Moana and Frozen, and you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. we we love watching it as much as our daughter because we're like these stories are encoded in us. Yeah, it's and our you're, story. It's our story, yeah. And it's not just this is my most recent finding is that it's not just once. Mm. <laughs> you're not just going through your hero's journey with like I said, like with your faith or whatever, or a divorce or something. And then, and then you're done and you get to just live the rest of your life. It's like, there'll be probably a period, hopefully a period of rest. And then you're embarking on a different one. <laughs> right. I'm still waiting for my 10 minute rest, like from like, I don't know, a decade ago. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. It's interesting to me though, because this is something I'm, I'm fascinated by. So over the last kind of 10 years, I've maybe worked with, I don't even know, 10,000 plus people that have gone through this process of deconstructing their faith and 95 plus percent to to them it is this existential terror and like holy dear god jesus which way's up why is life what when why how where you know just utter like what is going on when will it end you know is Mm -hmm. there a god do i want there to be a god who am i what does that mean what will happen after i die like all this stuff is all wrapped up in these like you peel like one belief off and you suddenly realize oh god that was me i just got rid of my existence without realizing it right and and i got rid of my my friends my family my community my church you know bubbles that we live in that that are beautiful Mm -hmm. amazing bubbles for people that need those in those seasons in that time whatever that might be not every kind Mm -hmm. of expression is toxic um and not every toxic expression is toxic to every person it's very complex right but right a huge portion of people seem to be like that from my anecdotal experience and i'm working with some research people to to be doing active research on on this group as well which is fascinating um so i don't have data on that yet but it does feel like there's a few people and I'm one of them that at no point at any point have I gone, Oh, this isn't amazing. Like I can get rid of something and, and, and explore something new or like, so I'm like actively like 
going, where can I just like explore a belief that I have that might be horseshit? Like I can just tear it apart and maybe it's true and that's fine. I'll, I'll put it back on. I'll stick it back on with duct tape, but maybe if I take it off, it's not. And that'd be exciting. And, like, and, it's, okay. and it's such a different approach um, that I find yeah. some people have to these kind of um, components. Is that something? So, I, and what I have found is that most people eventually kind of almost become the second person. Give them enough time mm. and they start to go, oh, actually, oh yeah, this thing. I remember that from when I, maybe I had um, a divorce, maybe my family member died, maybe, you know, I lost my faith. Yeah. But at a certain point you go, oh yeah, this thing, I'm quite excited because I've had enough moments where I can retroactively go. And that was like Ram Das would say, like this fierce grace. It was a thing yeah. that I wouldn't sign up for and I would not give to any of my worst enemies but I look yeah. back on almost fondly and I'm, I'm thankful for it. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing. And I've been through yeah. all kinds of death, you know, divorce, all kinds of different things. I've, I've got my fair share. Um, yeah. And most of it, there's maybe some stuff I'm still <laughs> I'd rather not be <laughs> working through right now or whatever, but most of it, I look back yeah. and go, Oh, that was the best thing ever. I'm so happy that yeah. that happened. So glad. And people are like, okay. but I think there's yeah. a, there's an element of seeing that cycle. Do you, do you find that in yourself? Is that something that you've become used to or look forward to, or is there still an, a dread of this existential, like, Oh God, what part of me is going to die today? Cause, cause it is, it's a death and a rebirth, isn't it? It's, it's, it's that you have to die for that to be born, you know, for something new to come. Um, again, right. talk about ebb and flow and whatever it is. Right. Um, yes, no absolutely. one wants to die. Generally speaking, I, I feel like, yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. I love that so much. And I mean, the answer is, honestly, is kind of both at different times, I would say, in general, yes, I am. I and that's another great thing that Katie offers the work of Katie is you eventually say so it's like, if your belief is, um, my mother betrayed me, then you you do the work. Is that true? Um, can I absolutely know that it's true? How do I feel when I believe that? Um, and how would it feel, or how would I react differently if I let that go? And then and then you turn it around. I betrayed me. I betrayed my mother. And then the real part that I love is like I look forward to my mother betraying me, or like I look forward to. And the reason why is because it's an opportunity again to, to, like you said, like see the, the crack, see the window of opportunity there. Um, and so, yes, the more I go through this, the more I recognize that um, this is, this is, as my husband would say, this is where the juice is. Like, mm -hmm. this is it. All the most beautiful things that life has to offer comes from the the death and the pain and the suffering um and making your way through that and like again we see that in nature we need we need death we need the decomposing animals yeah. bones <laughs> to then create a tree or a garden or whatever i mean this is if like make no mistake you belong here we are we are at home here that we're part of the same system we're not separate from it um and so with death comes new life and there is a there is a lot of hope to when you're recognizing that you are in a stage of contraction or you are in a stage of dying 
there is so much hope knowing that that this leads to new life. Mm. That being said, sometimes when I am in it, I I forget that, you know, or I used to say like, because I had learned so much from my panic attacks or my, my depression, I was like, man, I wish I had handled it differently. Like I wish I had an opportunity Mm. to handle it with, with the tools that I have now. And then it will come not as extreme, but, and sometimes I can be like, okay, this is it. I, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to settle my nervous system, to dive deeper, to listen to the cues of my body. Um, and, and sometimes I do that and it's amazing. And sometimes I'm like, I can't remember. (laughs) I'm so deep in it. I can't remember that there is light. Like I'm just in the darkness. Um, so, so it is a practice. I mean, that's the thing. And, and life will give you plenty of opportunities to practice it. But the real gift of this, so for people who are going through, let's say, deconstructing their, their faith and they're like chipping away at it and they're like, there, there goes my whole identity and there goes probably some of my family members and some of my loved ones and my community and my structure for understanding the world and, and everything is, is leaving me just sounds <laughs> terrible even as you're saying i'm like this is my day-to-day life of what i work with them like, it does just sound awful does it when you start it lifting does. it down you're like this is a horrible thing for people to be going through like it's like yes yeah it's really intense. make no mistake we're not saying that this is we're not saying that that's not horrible no, no. <laughs> it, it is it is horrible and your pain is real and it is and it is rough and like oh just like good 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 on you for going through being willing to go into that Mm. that dark cave um we're just saying that like that's not the end of the story Mm -hmm. and um but what the gift that that offers is okay you're in this stage where everything is being stripped away that's excellent because you get to ask yourself the question what remains Mm. and who who remains not like what remains well I still you know I still like Kentucky Fried Chicken or I don't know (laughs) um or like it's not like your aspects of your personality that still remain I guess that it that can also be a really beautiful question um but even beyond that like who is who is actually seeing all of these things being stripped away and they are remaining unchanged mm. so that's your pure awareness At, like in trauma work that's your wise self who is undamaged who actually i mean and they're kind of finding like science to this too and so it's not just like a hooey theory it's mm. like there is a there is a part of yourself who observes and sees everything and it knows exactly what you need to heal. Mm. Um, So really just trusting that there is an engine within you that is leading you. It's your, you know, it's your inner voice. It's the the thing that makes you leave a, a marriage that you know is not right, even though that means losing everybody that you know or being hated by people that you love or, you know, 
Um, it's, it's the inner voice that's leading you. And it, it's the voice that's leading you into to doing your trauma work. I believe for me, my wise self sensed the anxiety attacks that made me realize, holy shit, I have some stuff to look at, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough, but it's not wasted. It's, yeah. it's, it's very useful. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. I, so I have, um, I, I live with chronic pain and, and a lot of the overlaps in this are so fascinating because chronic pain mm. isn't um, linked to physical injury anymore. Usually the physical injury is healed or if the physical injury isn't healed, typically the body can't feel pain after several months of the injury the body just starts to go eh, no point in listening to that it's not getting better and so it should stop feeling pain but what happens is the the neurons that are firing the whole thing of like if they wire they fire together they wire together and so what happens to me is i got pain in my hands and my wrists and i think years and years ago i probably had rsi from like writing all the time i was a writer and i did it and i was just always on a computer on a laptop probably like in some stupid position or something that like you know like was bad for my tendons or and i got injured and so my brain goes oh every time phil starts to type give him some pain to tell him phil stop doing that you idiot you're hurt right and so right. obvious. And then over time, I, I stopped doing it. I do less and less and my body heals up. Um, but the problem mm-hmm. is that because it's fired together for so long, when Phil uses his hands, tell me he's in pain, um, that now it's healed. I still, 10 years later, healed up, MRIs, everything, no structural damage at all, still feel pain all the time when I'm using my hands for loads of different things. It's very, very wow. frustrating. But the, the yeah. science behind it is fascinating because it very much is um, you need to tell your body you feel safe, tell you, acknowledge your pain and say, Hey, thank you. I appreciate you're trying to warn me that there's danger, but actually there isn't danger right now. I really appreciate you looking after my body. You're taking care of me. You're trying to keep me safe. Thank you. Like moving on a lot of the meditative practices that go in with it are very much like, Hey, let's, let's look at the pain. Where is the pain? What's happening? You know, it's, it's observing this pain and you realize Oh, actually, I have pain in my hands. What does that mean, right? When you actually like, is it here or is it here? Like, where about in your hand? And then you go, oh, actually, kind of moves. And so, oh, so it isn't just like one bit that's sore. You know, all these kind yes. of things go on. Um, but it's so fascinating the the overlaps between that of this trauma of your body having stuff going on, and it's going, hey, I am sending you some form of pain, and I'm going, yeah. hey, it sucks. I want you to realize how much this sucks right now. And you go, why does everything suck? And it's like, okay, good. I've got your attention. Right. Yes. So right. what we're going to do now is have a bit of a conversation. It's because your mother like did this and you didn't process it very well. And you need to kind of think about that and what it means and mm-hmm. let it go. And once you let it go, like, I won't have to give you this reminder, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and so what's fascinating is it's the same in pain. A lot of people find their freedom from their pain by dealing with all kinds of different emotions because so one of the things that I'm really intrigued by that I've, I'm rubbish, <laughs> but is mm-hmm. the emotions that are going on at the same time as your physical injury and the pain. Mm-hmm. So it all gets wired wow. in together as well. So then you go, well, I'm not using my hands um, uh, and I have an injury, but I'm using my hands and I'm still dealing with the problem of going through a divorce that I went through while I had the injury. Mm-hmm. So now when something comes yeah. up where, Oh, I feel rejected. Oh, my wife doesn't care about me. My whatever, right. Who, who knows yeah. what kind of weird ego trip we have today. Um, yeah. That results in then me feeling pain or whatever it is. It might be yeah. stress, it might be anxiety. It's all kind of the same kettle of fish where the body is kind of trying to give you these kind of like, Hey, Phil, 
pay attention. I'm trying to tell yes. you something. And yet we yes. just kind of go, oh, uh, I feel pain right now. I'm just going to go to bed or I'll take a bunch of like Nurofen or whatever. Or right. oh, I feel stressed right now. I'm just, uh, just going to stay inside and we'll watch a bunch of Netflix and just not talk to anyone. And like that, I'll be fine tomorrow. And, and in both cases, we're not doing the work, right? We're not actually yeah. going, what is my body trying to, to lead me to? Um, that's right wow. we do it all the time. I've, I've never heard of anybody uh comparing those two the chronic pain and the trauma and I mean it's more than overlap it's exactly the same thing right. it feels like <laughs> it I just don't want to go too far to say that <laughs> yeah that is I mean it's because trauma is is just pain in a different way you know it's uh it's just intense emotions and that kind of pain but like wow that is so that's blowing my mind and mm. and also as you're saying that i i hope people can get to this point if not right now as they're working with their bodies because i don't know if i was always this way but like i'm listening to that being like uh, like oh it just makes me want to like hug and thank my body because what an intricate Amazing. system and it's trying to protect me. It's trying to protect you. That is the, there's love behind it. Like it is trying to nurture and protect. It's like an overprotective mother. That's how we've come to know it in our family. Like it's just, it means well, it just needs a little bit of reassuring. Like, Hey, I, I'm an adult. Right. I can, yeah. I can do this. And actually we can grow past this. You don't have to have this role anymore but it is trying to take on that role because it worked it worked at one point so you can always anytime pain is is showing up in any way you can use it as the portal to get to a place of compassion for yourself and for your body because you can even follow it to like okay when did that work and wow, thank you so much for, you know, because there, there is so much of this work is like you mentioned, it's, it's starting to nurture yourself through this stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's why resistance doesn't work. You have to actually let it be seen and, and tell you what it's trying to tell you. And then you can communicate back to it but with compassion, it has yeah. to be with compassion. And the way you access that compassion is finding that time that it did that and it, and it worked. Mm. Wow. Thank you. I see how this, I see how you have, have served me in the past and you can relax. Or I like to tell my, my, usually my strategic mind, because it's, it's like the most controlling. I like to tell it like, Oh, wow. You're really trying to organize everything for me. Thank you. Um, you don't have to carry this load all on your own. Like we have a lot of other systems in place and a lot of different parts and different voices. Like you're not, you don't have to do this by yourself. Mm. <laughs> you know? Oh gosh. I need to tell uh, myself that for sure. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> and that's, do you know what's really uh, interesting about that as well in chronic pain? Um, so fascinating. So in Manchester, we actually have a really amazing chronic pain kind of unit, um, one of the best in the UK, and they have 18 full-time mm. staff members. And one of them is a nurse. None of them are medical doctors. The rest are psychologists. 
because this wow. is psychological work. Um, but what's really interesting is the number one thing that they do, they put people on, I've, I've been on one myself, is they do group workshops for self-compassion. And they found one of the mm. major stumbling blocks. The reason that most people get injury, get pain, recover, pain goes, they move on with their life, right? Nine times out of 10, mm. everyone does this. Um, yeah. But we get stuck, we get caught up, whatever it is. And one of the number one correlating factors is if you're someone that doesn't show yourself self-compassion, if you beat mm. yourself up, if you catastrophize and you, you know, attack yourself yeah. and you go, oh, you feel like you idiot. You're, you know, like you use your hands during your pain again, or you, you touch your, you, you answer the phone when your mom called and now you're stressed. You're an idiot. Why did you do it? You know, not to talk to your mom, like when you're trying to get work done or, you know, whatever it is, we, we kind of beat ourselves up, but actually these are kind of the main um, kind of issues that kind of just fan flames of fire. And so it's like talking of self-compassion as you do there. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Again, this kind of overlap of like, that makes a lot of sense. We have to learn to yeah. be more compassionate to ourselves. And what's interesting, yeah. I think this is what one of the interesting components of coming out of maybe a, um, a system of religion like uh, Christianity, as a lot of people do, is it's, it's fascinating because the undergirding of Christianity is this kind of grace, this compassion, this like, you know, mm -hmm. um, component, but we're not the most kind of self-compassionate group. We, we do kind of we, we've been kind of hammered into us. You're supposed to beat the crap out of yourself. You're supposed to think about where did I screw up and how do I, you know, repent and get better. It's not about compassionately going, oh, well, of course I did that. Like, how else could I do differently? You know, like yeah. I'm a teenager. How else would I do? What else would I do when I saw a pretty lady on my computer, right? right? Or whatever yeah. it is, right? <laughs> of and course. And their whole time doing. And then we we yeah. we don't look through it through a lens of self-compassion. We don't go, oh, okay, this is what happens when I'm growing up and I'm a teenager. Of course, I'm masturbating like eight times a day as a 14-year-old boy when the internet yeah, came out everyone. at that time. I was like the worst, like, prepared. Um, but like... <laughs> Instead of going, oh, of course, that's that's understandable. You know, you don't have that compassionate voice teaching you either coming from leaders or anything like that. Mm. You've got this condemnation. Mm -hmm. And so you internalize the condemnation. And all you're doing is compounding trauma on trauma on trauma. Um, mm -hmm. This is a parallel I definitely see between me and Pete, especially reading his book. And, and, you know, anytime oh, he talks yeah. to me, right? I'm like, this is like, I had no relationship with God without a lens of somewhere being oh my god when did i last masturbate is god displeased with me like have i since yeah. made some sort of like recompense where i've done something good enough to then talk to god to ask him to forgive me i have to like even like fill in the gap somewhere like the everything oh. with god was sexual for me and yeah i didn't even sure. know girls at this one you know like i mean right. i haven't even got <laughs> to sex yet you know i mean it's all sex yeah you know? um, no yeah so I'm with it's you. just so fascinating how we traumatize ourselves in a lot of ways because yeah. we have that non-compassionate voice and um, yeah so, wow, i am oh. really intrigued um and and i don't know how personally you want to go but i'd be really intrigued if you could tell us a bit about your journey of how did you become Val, the person who is embodied and enjoying um, going on that journey to be more embodied, more minutes of the day. Where did you start yeah. out? I'm assuming you didn't start embodied. Or maybe you started embodied no. and then lost it and then came back. Well, know. yeah. Yeah. That's really smart, actually. <laughs> yes. Journey, I, think right? that that, I think that's it. I think that we all started that way. I mean, my two-year-old daughter is the most embodied person that I, I know. Um, and, and yes, I think you really touched on something there where, um, through religion, the, or often through Christianity, I'll say, um, in fact, we're watching transparent. I don't know if you've seen not, that so show. I'm like it's, to watch lists, but 
I, unfortunately, I, it's on my wife's watch list as well. And so when there's this crossover, it yeah. just takes months for us to get, because we've got I, a list of things that we both want to watch that is so long. And then these little yeah. side lists. And as soon as it's we're both want to watch, I'm like, damn it. I wish she wasn't so like interested in the same things as me, which is not true at all. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Of course. Yes. But, uh, no, we're very familiar with that. Like we have, <laughs> I have my shows that I watch without him. He has his shows yeah. that he watches without me. And, and the betrayal when another person watches something on your list. Oh, oh we, we I mean, do that together. Like, yes. how could you do this to me? <laughs> yeah. He just did that with social dilemma. I was doing the dishes and I heard it while the baby was napping and I heard like something about Instagram or whatever. So and I was like, funny. is that social dilemma? That better be the trailer <laughs> as you're flicking through Netflix to get to something else. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, all I was trying to say about Transparent is that it's like, it's it has, I mean, I think it's just as much about Judaism as it is about like gender identity. Wow. And, and it's so beautiful. We were just talking about how in, in general, it seems like, uh, like the Jewish faith doesn't have the same body issues that mm. Christianity does. Um, and so, yes, at, like, I just wanted to really quickly address what you said, because it was so smart. And then I'm happy to get into my journey. But, um, but yeah, if, if the framework that you were raised with, which if you were raised in a Christian, evangelical, Protestant, that's all I can really speak to. Uh, chances are you were kind of told, like, you are kind of like a sinful beast mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and like by like god is so so compassionate and grace like and full of grace for you that he loves you anyway you disgusting animal yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it's the opposite of trusting your body you have to yeah. deny oh, deny God's deny not trustworthy at all the heart is evil beyond you know measure there's also like you know your heart is good it's like how we pick and choose but we all pick the bad ones right we never do the good stuff <laughs> yeah well uh, because it's fear-based and you really don't want to mess this up because mm, uh it's the good. worst consequence it's the hell for eternity so uh, you're going to err on the side of, of I'm going to be as good as I can yeah, be. Yeah. You're like, oh, um, trillions of years. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll play safe. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that I'm bad and I'll try to be good. Um, so of course, that's something that I lost and something that, that I'm only now relearning. Um, but as I'm relearning it, I am remembering it because right. you have it as a child. You you know, depending on what has happened to you, you might've, you might've even lost it before you can remember. Um, luckily, I think I had a few good years of, of being embodied before I completely lost it. Um, but, but yeah, so, so I am, my parents, my parents are still evangelical pastors. Okay. Um, okay. Yes. Me too. Yes. You too. Yeah, oh yeah. my gosh. What, what flavor? Well, it's weird because in the UK, it's a bit different, right? Because my dad is a Baptist pastor, but Baptist means like 
it can be so diverse. So he actually like got saved in this like Pentecostal meeting. He was in the Navy. He was like a woman in every port. He was a DJ. He was like super crazy, but he had like a stomach ulcer because he was an alcoholic. It was like insane backstory. You know, like, you know how you're always oh. right. You grew up in the church, right? So you don't have the amazing before after story that you'd always be like, fuck this guy. Like, what is his story? Right. You know, he's just like, yeah. Oh yeah, I got saved like 18 times every year. And like, cause I was just trying to cover my bases and that's it. But like, he has yep. that story. He got healed in this meeting he didn't even believe in god he just showed up he went because like his superior officer asked him and he was like oh god I'm, like this is too awkward i uh, i guess i'll go um which is funny because his superior officer as as christians you know look from the outside is probably thinking oh crap i asked this guy and well what if he doesn't go and what if he thinks i'm an idiot right so everyone's right yeah but he goes sure. and he gets like this crazy healing and like completely healed on the spot of his stomach ulcer like never touches alcohol again like crazy um wow. so he like but then he went to like this like baptist like home group that was like in the port he was at and like just that was the only christians he knew so he went there and they were quite conservative mm -hmm. and you know whatever but he ended up being this kind of like charismatic baptist so it was a real yeah mesh sure. of like different realities and that's what i grew up in like is like wow. very charismatic but like basically all the churches we had average age 60 which when you're like 10 wow. average age could be 3000 i mean 60 what is that you know i mean that is not yeah sure level. <laughs> like, yeah my parents are unrelatable weirdos and they're like 25 you know so it's <laughs> right. funny looking back and i'm like oh I my mean... god i was my dad's at like the end of his ministry i'm like this is crazy how how old uh, they were not old not old at all they were young oh yeah um, yeah yeah so i am a weird one. i'm i'm so with you that is like very similar okay. I, because we came so my my grandpa is a pastor i mean he's retired now but he was a pastor of like a pentecostal church of god like holy roller yes. church in arkansas uh that had like 12 people amazing <laughs> um and like my, my grandma would teach the Sunday school and he was the pastor and it was like the, the, you know, the wooden pews and people literally like running around clucking like chickens and my brother oh, and I like having like church laughter, trying not to laugh. Um, and then my dad really like, I mean, in a very bold move, took his family and moved to California and started uh, he, they became Foursquare, which here okay. is like, has like a charismatic, it's charismatic, yeah. but it's at, at, throughout the years, like the person who started it is, is really that cool. Her name person? Is, yes. Yeah. Oh, by the it way, I've like, never felt so good on my church history. I just like, I am, had a freaking touchdown. Um, okay, good. <laughs> We don't even have like Foursquare in the UK place. either, which is like so impressive. I lived in California for four years. I, I come across these guys. So, oh my yeah. gosh. But so seriously, I am blown <laughs> away. I mean, no one, even in She's the She's crazy no though, but she, she was one that was like, she would like do like, she was actor or something, right? And she was like, do these crazy yeah. performances from the stage and like, right. Yes. She was like the Stevie Nicks of, of the Christian world. <laughs> She would like she would she would wear the same like wings and like float down the stairs and like but she she would heal people and she um she started the Dream Center in LA which which fed oh, yeah. more people during the Great Depression than the government did mm. like it was like 
she did a lot of really great work, but she also like disappeared for a little while and like had some husbands, had some affairs, like just you had like a, a very for a while and just you know accumulate a few husbands. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's like fine. <laughs> yes. And you're wearing so wings actually... for God's sake. At a certain point, if you're wearing wings, there's like a an, a, a, a slight element of like you know you can't be questioned you know at a certain That's point right. this person is basically an angel yeah do we want to be I smoked mean, you know yeah and especially if you're doing good in the world you're like all right well however she's doing it i actually <laughs> identify more with amy than i do than i do with anything else about foursquare <laughs> like she's That's the funny. thing that i like about it i'm like yeah she was kind of badass um, but anyway, so that was huge. I mean, my dad, the leap yeah. from that tiny church in Arkansas being very like you, women don't wear pants. You don't wear makeup. You don't do any recreation. He couldn't go bowling, swimming, skating, like all of it was a sin because it's pleasure, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, so he came from that. And if I often think about this, the leap from that to where he is now is even though he's still a pastor it is catastrophically huger right. <laughs> than than the leap that i've made from him to where i am now wow. like i mean it's it's it was like an impossible situation to leave and he and he did it so that was like his own hero, hero's journey um and then he probably, so, I mean, he would have like halved your grandpa's like church population as well right just by leaving with bringing the kids with them so <laughs> yeah like, it's, it's like some serious ramifications yeah it's a serious betrayal yeah. I, I mean i also left a small town because i i got divorced and left and even without the religious element um your community feels betrayed if it's like a very small yeah. tight-knit community there it's like i always say that it's have you seen the movie big fish Oh my God, it's my favorite movie ever. I say that about quite a few movies. I will like put to the side. Yeah, sure. I see Tim Burton, Big Fish, greatest movie. So beautiful and captured. Oh. Uh, it's what I use all the time. My wife complains all the time because I never tell the truth and I always embellish everything because why would you <laughs> ever limit reality? I'm making this up as I go anyway. I might as well add some good stuff to it, right? I'm it's so great. on board with all that. Right, anyway, yeah. Big Fish. Yeah. So it's like Spectre, right? That like beautiful place yes. that's like wonderful in heaven. And then as soon as he's like wanting to leave to continue his journey, they're like, uh, why, would why, you do this? why would you leave? Yeah, don't yeah. leave. That's like that metaphor comes up so often because it's the hero's journey. And the first thing is you have to leave the village and um, and like the, the villagers are going to do everything you, they can to keep you or yeah. to make you feel crazy because you're threatening their own. Right. They don't want to leave the village. They don't want to leave the village. And if you leave, they have to kind of acknowledge that there is a world outside of yeah. the village, which kind of like fundamentally breaks down probably their entire belief system. Right. Or at least the illusion um, that this is perfect. Right. Yeah. Because if this is good right. for you, or so at least at the very least, we have to somehow demonize what happens next for you. We create a whole narrative of like, oh, they left. Oh, yeah. But did you see that they got divorced? Or, oh, did you see they start sleeping with someone? Or, you know, they started whatever. And it's like, right. this is our, see, this is why you stay in. Don't do that. Yep. Um, that's and right. that's what happens. A lot of people that deconstruct is 
they've yeah. been inside and thought those things and said those things as the group about people that leave. So now they've left, yeah. they've got that narrative in going, I know exactly what everyone's saying about me because it's what I said about them. That's right. Before they oh. left, you know? Um, that's anyways, right. it's that's, crazy though. No, yeah. that's totally right. And I've experienced that for sure. And it is like a system that's really smart. I don't know if they're trying to be this manipulative, but the, one of the things that I I still work on, it's like a pattern that I developed from my Christian days is like the slippery slope. Like you said, like I, it's, it's the slippery slope mentality. Yeah. That is, that is just like got the Christian trademark on, on it. Like the Big idea time. of, okay, well, if I, if I stop going to church, then I'm going to stop believing in God. And then I'm going to have sex with everybody that I see. And then I'm yeah. going to get an STD. Then I'm going to become an alcoholic and I'm going to like end up in jail, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and, and you still, I still will catch myself doing like this slippery slope thing. Mm. But if, it's such a good design because if they tell you that as a kid, um, then if you even start following one of the steps where you're like, well, then I'm leaving the church. Okay. Look, I guess I did get a divorce. Yeah. Because I realized that I was unhappy and I only got married because that's what the church wanted me to do. Holy shit. I'm on this trajectory. What's going to happen next? You know? And then usually if you play it out, you find that it, it doesn't, go necessarily that way <laughs> sure but or, or necessarily there's just once you take a few you've taken a few steps forward and you can look back on the slippery slope right you realize it's like a looped up slip and slide um but yeah. you know you look back and you realize oh my duality my right and wrong my judgments my you know more moralizing of this whole process you realize oh I, it, from the inside, was able to look at every person that left that maybe got a divorce or slept with someone. And I was like, oh, well, divorce and sleeping with people, that's bad. That's evil. Getting pregnant, right. evil, like whatever, you know, like STDs. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I'm not saying anyone should particularly get STDs or relishing <laughs> that. So, you know, just. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. when you come out the other side, and you go, oh, actually, no, my, my divorce wouldn't sign anyone else up for it. But generally speaking, it's a fairly amicable one. And honestly, the best thing yeah. that ever happened in my life. Honestly, yeah. I, I really think mm -hmm. that maybe, maybe aside from, and, and this is a really um, crazy thing to say, and I'm really sorry to my family if anyone's listened to this, but I'd say that my mother dying is probably the best thing that ever happened. I had an amazing relationship with my mom. She's wow. the best person I've ever known. I absolutely love her. I miss her every day, but actually wow. probably the fiercest grace, right? Um, so again, mm. like in, in a Christian circle, you know, we look at certain things and we go, oh, that's good. That's bad. And so it's really easy mm -hmm. to go, yeah, there it is, and there it is, and there it is, and there it is. But when you're on the outside and you're growing and you're learning and you're like, wow, yeah, they're going to have some ammunition on me. But actually, these are good things, you know? It's yeah. Like, but, but, but that need for people not to have the ammunition, that need for that narrative, that need not to be seen as on the slippery slope or to validate myself. See, I, I am doing something right. We then go, oh, maybe I shouldn't leave my partner who's really abusive. And it's like, wait, yeah. what's happening right now? I'm so because right. that scene is bad because that might be me me on the slippery slope or it, we're so yeah. caught in that trap and i think that's a real yeah. part of it so I, I don't know if it's intentional and manipulative or just part of the evolution yeah. of groups and how groups function right 
maybe at right. psychological stages, you know, that very traditional stage. If you're familiar with Ken Wilber or spiral dynamics and that sort of stuff like that, traditional yeah. blue, like yeah, of course. all here, mm-hmm. part of the group, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. Leaving spectrum is blue to orange, right? It's going, I could be my own person. I need to go and do my own right. journey and explore and be. Wow. Um, yes, yeah. that's well, really, that's really well said. Wow. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And there, just like we can access compassion for parts of our body that are trying to protect us, you can, and maybe people aren't here yet in their journey, but like, it's like the transcendent include, you can access compassion for the people who, who did do that slippery slope to, to, to truly, truly believing that they were protecting you. Like they, they really were trying to protect you the way that they they felt like they were protected within this this kind of narrow narrower view um so yeah there is there is often good intentions behind that um but yeah so raised as a christian uh in the church like i mean at least three times a week at church i didn't do any extracurriculars as a kid because it was all church like right. I sang in the church and I uh babysat and did the nursery and like so I was just like singing and raising kids <laughs> in yeah, the yeah, church yeah. um and and lo- and loved the community of it like yeah. really felt and had and felt like I mean it was all just soaked in in love for the most part so like I really have such fond memories of like feeling so connected to God and feeling very loved by God and loved and supported by the community. And, um, and now that I, I have enough distance from it, I can look back on that upbringing for the most part with, with fondness. Um, that being said, there of course are, are there, there is trauma from it of like, I mean, I remember we had a home group, and everybody told their stories of like run-ins with demons, like different times that they like saw demons or were possessed by demons or something. And I was like eight. I mean, <laughs> and that stayed with me. You hadn't had any or- demon run-ins by eight? Come on, Val. What have you up to? Come on. It was like, well, I guess. Higher levels. I- You've not got any of the high devils yet. <laughs> yeah. No one. No one was like, maybe the eight-year-old shouldn't hear these terrifying ghost stories. Yeah, terrifying demons that are out to get you and ruin your life and kill you and send you to hell, who, by the way, are everywhere and you can't see them, but they're everywhere. And actually, you might see them at some point. (laughs) Good luck. Right. And my mom used to say... Yeah. I don't know if this was just like a Pentecostal thing, but my parent when I would like, so of course I didn't sleep for years and years. I was, had such trouble falling asleep because I was so scared. And, um, and I remember my dad trying to comfort me by saying, when we bought this house, I walked around the perimeter and, and like asked that there be an angel, you know, angels surrounding this house. So he was like, so the demons can't get in here. They can press their faces up against the window, but they can't get in. And I was like, well, Yay. of course, that's all I'm picturing now is just demons like. It's like behind the curtains, you're just like, I do not want to open this curtain. No, 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 let's yeah. just leave that closed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, 
so there is yeah a lot of fear i mean still Mm. i will catch myself in the that that's like what you said about like when you wake up in the middle of the night you're in this such a fragile state that you usually are identified with your child self and and i will be like what was that and it's not that i think that they're demons but i certainly am just like i have this like nighttime fear that Mm. still kind of comes up from that um so there's trauma there there's trauma with the body of course um, that I'm reconciling with sexuality that I, I had to do a lot of work around. Um, Was but, your church really into the whole like purity culture, purity rings, all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah. And I got married when I was 20 to wow. the only person that I dated, that I had like kissed. We, we waited till marriage. We hadn't had sex. I mean, we really pushed the boundaries there, right. but like everybody, everybody <laughs> we do knew that, right? That. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Someone should bring out a really honest evangelical like guidebook of like, you know, okay, right. Here's the deal. Here's all the lines you're going to break. So like, you know, here's the yeah. section, like hand jobs, blow jobs, maybe some exactly. Pain, like, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Just anything except like, for. Remember that whole story about like the Christian camp where kids were trying anal and you were like, that's yeah. a massive, like, I'm out of mental gymnastics here to be doing. Oh my God. And you will do it because you, yeah. you're denying, you know, you're denying the serious desire that you had, but yeah, right. Pete actually used to have a great bit about that where it was something like, he was like, you know, I went to a Christian college and some people there would not, uh, they were waiting till marriage to have sex, but they would have anal as if God was looking down there being like, wait a minute. Oh, Oh, oh no, it's, the oh, bum. it's, yeah. it's in the it's butt. Good. Okay. <laughs> Oh, okay. You, you sneak. You, you found the loophole. <laughs> so you good. found the literal loophole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that, loophole, and actually loophole. I will, I will say like, this is not at all what the purity culture wanted, but I no. am like, there was nothing more arousing than like being parked in a car somewhere like dry humping (laughs) making out never like knowing that you can't really go much further than that Mm -hmm. so you have just intense sexual tension like that was it was like prohibition that's it man it's the best right (laughs) yeah in my marriage we're just trying to recreate that tension like that's that that is the hottest thing ever is to tell somebody that you like can't go further than this point you know but that's Um, from birth we're wired that way we are literally wired of like you know you can leave most things in a room and that's fine but you put the thing in the room and you say to your kid you play with anything but not that toy they are dying right it's like these videos they have of the you know the little candy or whatever and they have yeah the marshmallows and they're like all right nobody eat this one like m&m and you can have a whole bag of m&ms and they leave for like 12 seconds or it's not even long and the kids are like (laughs) <laughs> i didn't eat it i just licked it you know and the next thing you know like they've eaten it like immediately and, um yeah. it's just every time because that's what we're and that's right. what we're doing with sexuality right this like we're, yeah. we're almost like creating this and i think most teenagers would be quite tempted nonetheless like i don't think that somehow oh, sure. creating temptation that isn't there for regular normal teenagers but there's right. no 
natural progression of intimacy on a physical level, you're going to have a lot of intimacy developed on a very emotional level, maybe even more so than most kind of relationships, because Christians are really intentional in a lot of ways about that stuff. They teach really well about Absolutely. a lot of relationship, emotional stuff, like doing deep spiritual work. And you're doing this with yeah. a partner, but you can't respond. So you're like growing crazily on intimacy, like emotionally, spiritually with each other. And like, it's like, all right, yeah. can we move up? No, no, not at all. Right. Okay. Right. Like we, we're going to move up anyway. Right. <laughs> then you're yes, because it doesn't... It, and then you're feeling guilty and then you're having to deal with like, oh yeah, now every time I orgasm as a married person, that's happy and, uh, and legal, everything's good. God's good. Yeah. But now every time I orgasm, yeah. I feel the guilt of having like 5 million orgasms watching porn. Right. Yeah. Wired together, fire together, right? Every time I orgasm, I feel the, the shittest human ever, right? And yeah, they change like the day of, like, you know, you got married or crazy, right? Stuff, right? Oh my gosh, that's so well said. And you even helped me remember. So that's hope for anybody that's going through this is that, like, I had even forgotten that that was a phase where, like, I didn't understand why after I had an orgasm, I would feel so sad, I would just feel mm. really sad like really down and that's and I was like everybody says that this is the best and it feels good for a second and then I just feel so sad and right. it's like oh this I wish crash. I could go back in time and like yeah. yeah that's right yeah well it's missing that body part so that's so mm. smart and I've never heard anybody explain it that way where like your intimacy is growing and growing and growing and we just have this natural uh our bodies are supposed to be part of that yeah. And what they're doing without realizing is they are kind of separating the intimacy with the body's reactions, as opposed to teaching that these things go hand in hand. Um, and my friend is Croatian, and she was just telling me that she was like in uh, in Croatia or in Europe often. I don't know. She, she she was just saying Croatia, so I don't know how where it is. But she's like the sex ed is is relational like they mm, teach it wow. starting out for you teach consent basically and then you just are teaching that like like eye contact and relationship and being close and that we need each other and all of these things wow. um and then if you have a culture that's also putting in the embodiment piece uh and you have those two working together she's like on average people in the United States start having sex two years earlier than people in, in Europe, because we're not, we just teach plumbing, like you're this machine. And then we teach, don't do it. Or if you're going to do it, here's contraception, but none of the actual parts that are complicated about sex, you know what I mean? So people are betraying their bodies. They are not connecting. They're, they're, they're disassociating. I mean, we have, so many people here that are the mind body connection is just doesn't exist so how of course do you think that's going to affect your sex life like you're not going to be in your body when you're having sex which means that you are not there for the other person so you're like basically masturbating into somebody like you're not it's just you you're in your own world you know um so i feel like that really is the like somebody asked on the podcast, actually on our podcast, we take questions and somebody asked us how 
we intend to teach our daughter about sex? And I loved that question because it really gave me an opportunity to think about it. And I am just, it feels like truly reparenting my, my child self in this, where I just want her to, to have a attuned sense of her own body, to have the like connection with her own body, which really is at this point, just trying to protect that because she naturally has that. And I want her to know that like her body will tell her when she's ready. Her body will tell her if she's not safe, if she's not being respected, if it's not the right time and just to like listen to her own body and to not settle for, for anything, but, but the, the ultimate point of sex is connection. So to not settle, if the, if the person is not there, you don't have to give yourself to this person who's not showing up for you, you know? Um, so, I mean, that's something that I've learned in the last eight years. And I, I hope that I can raise somebody who like, that's just always been her idea of sex, you know? Uh, absolutely. God, I think of that. I mean, I, talks about how hung up on like sex that was a big thing that was probably a major component of my first marriage falling apart was like I just was Mm -hmm. I mean on so many levels I was really unhealthy like words can't describe and it takes two people to like fail things and like you know there was was obviously loads of components there but the biggest part for me because I can't rate responsibility for anything else I can only take responsibility for myself I'm like man like a huge part of it was like, I just like, yeah, I was in my head. I wasn't aware of my body. I wasn't able to be embodied. I was second guessing everything. I had so much guilt and shame around sex mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I, and not only that, I hadn't learned that like basically women weren't objects at this point. Like, I mean, that was still getting hammered into me at like 23, 24, 20, whatever. And like, you can't, can't be around a woman without being like, I don't know, impregnating them on stuff. I was like, dude, I've lived 25 years. I've not managed to get anyone to sleep with me. You know, like not quite, but you know, it's like, <laughs> um, like, I'm pretty safe. I feel like most women are safe with me. It's fine. <laughs> like, um, but it's just like, you know, just so many hangups, not allowing my wife to be herself because I, on some level was basically doing what most Christians do, treating women like objects, like possessions right so i would get possessed oh gosh my 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 wife is going out today and she's not wearing a bra and that means other people will like whatever and it's like who gives a fuck right now i'm like yeah. now i'm the opposite my my wife's like you know covid she's like oh it's so great i've not worn a bra for like six months or whatever and now we're like occasionally <laughs> yeah. going out or whatever and she's like oh, i hate wearing a bra i'm like don't wear a bra that's amazing <laughs> If you don't want to wear a bra, don't wear a bra. And then, you know, I'm like, but if you want to wear a bra, you do you. Like, I mean, I'm not telling you, but like, I'm like, this is great. And so just seeing those shifts in learning to, and I'm like, God, what will it be like? I said this to Stephen Mitchell. I was like, oh my God, like how excited am I to have kids that I can do the work with from at a young age, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. That is exciting to me. And I don't know, maybe yeah. we have to, you know, maybe the Richard Rohr kind of like build your life to get, to have it all crash down and fall apart. Maybe mm-hmm. we have to get a bit like egomaniac, build everything, screw up a bunch sure. of Sure. Build some stories that are false to then have it all fall apart. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm yeah. sure I'll be great at doing all that terrible stuff as well. <laughs> Not terrible, but like essentially. Uh, yeah, it'll happen either way. So yeah. <laughs> but wow. Yeah. I love that. That is true. I, I I think about that with parenting all the time is, is <laughs> like Pete and I are, are working so hard to, um, 
to become nobody while we're raising this person who has to become somebody first, you know? So the, I mean, the only thing that I have there is like, just, we're going to be living examples of that and we'll support her somebodyness. And she'll, once it comes time for the fall, like to use Richard Gore's Mm. language, like once it's time for her to fall into the second half of life, she will have a reference for that because she will have seen us do it. But, um, but you can have, you know, you can have a fondness for the, I think he says that it's, that's the raft and, but it's not the shore, you know, like the first half of life is the raft. And you, of course you have compassion and fondness for that raft. It's like, it's how you got here, you know? Um, But yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, it's very, you're, you were reminding me that like the, the role specifically for women too often was the purity keeper. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I remember, you know, like making out and I knew like, well, he, it's, it, it, we're told like, well, men can't stop. Yeah. They, can't they control get, themselves. You cause them to stumble. You cause, you lead them into sin. Yeah. That's right. Your dress had cleavage. So of course he's going to want to feel you up. It's not his fault. It's your job to like not be tempting and it's your job to stop it yeah. entirely. I mean, my parents were really good about a lot of things, even like masturbation and stuff. They were pretty on the like liberal side of that, but they they did tell me that. And I, and I know I'm, you know, they they did the best that they could, but like that was ingrained that that was my job. So I remember like making out with my then boyfriend and being like, I don't want to stop. Like, I don't want to stop, but I have to be the one that's like, okay, that's enough. You know, it's wild, but you know, what's a weird part of that that I always think of is that like, so women cause this um, and they, are in some way responsible for the male who's completely an uncontrollable, like just penis with arms and legs, basically, you know, yeah, like, and, yeah. but at the same time, the man's in charge and he's responsible and he's yeah. a spiritual leader and he knows yeah. best. And, and you've got this weird dynamic of like, so I'm responsible for helping you keep whatever, but at the same time, you're the one that's saying like, Hey, follow my lead and you're left in this right. impossible place as a woman it feels like I, i've never been in that place and so i'm glad yeah. not. but like it feels like looking on that only like you know 30 years later not back then <laughs> i didn't i didn't notice that um yeah but it, it feels like a very impossible place that people are putting about i forgot to ask at the beginning how are you for time i really want to make sure we don't oh too i haven't even okay? thought about time i'm i'm are great you good? okay because i want to hear yeah. the rest of your story but i don't want to like also like you know have you leave this room and you know like little leela's like eight years old or you know <laughs> no we have a babysitter till noon i mean that we're not gonna have a, a five hour podcast <laughs> no not even uh, uh, no, no, um, but i'm 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 totally good yeah okay. no worries so so what happened next so you, you are married you've left this community you then get to so where was this your yeah. in all this like what where did the cracks start to come in uh, great. When question. did you get on the so, slippery slope? What, what, what I know when, no? when I get on that 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 slippery slide. Um, I so I got married at twenty, and I was still I was still like 
really in, in the world. And then I was going to college and I was going to like a very liberal college. Oh, wow. Um, and I just remember that started really kind of opening my mind to just the concept of, oh, I am just the concept of uh, conditioning that you, that your beliefs are often just a result of how you were raised and what you were told and not necessarily anything more than that. Um, So there was, there was the window right there. And then I remember kind of the first step was me acknowledging like, oh, if I was raised in India, I would be Hindu, you know, like, like, which is a very, realistically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and what does that mean? Does that mean that like, does that mean that I, that this is still true, that, that you, this is still the only way. And so of course there was a period of time where I was like, yes, this still is the only way. And I would just have to trust that like Jesus would find me somehow. Thank God Um, I was born in the USA. (laughs) Yeah. I I happened to stumble upon the only belief system. That's right. It's great. Yeah. (laughs) I was raised in it. Wow. What luck. Um, and then, and then it, I, you know, it was so gradual for me, not to say that it wasn't painful, but it's hard to like pinpoint. There was not a big boom of like everything got blown up. I do remember when I was 14, probably the most painful part was like my first wave of deconstruction. When I was 14, my, I had like a very intelligent friend who I loved and he left the church like when he was 14 because he started to be like Adam and Eve wait a minute this doesn't correlate with science like do you really believe that I mean really like the 14 year old version of it but you're like do you really believe there was a whale and a man in the belly and like a you know whatever Mm -hmm. and that was just the first time any of that had ever been questioned and that led to like a two-year like a dark night of the soul where I felt like I wasn't hearing God. And I, I just, it was the first tear in the fabric and I was 14. So like, it just wasn't the right time. Like I was so, it was too overwhelming. It was too flooding. Is that what eats you back in the, the connection and you know, that stability around you and stuff? Definitely. I remember having a period of time where I was like, okay, I, I, like I used to say, like I was an atheist for a day where I was like, I don't think this is real. Oh my God. And like, and the darkness and the fear that came up, I now know, like it, I just didn't have the resources or the support no. system to handle that. So I, I revert. I just was like, no, 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 no. We can't look at, we can't look Most under adults that. aren't ready for that. Never mind, like being 14, 15. No, I'm good. Like, let's not go there. Yeah. I got yeah, a no. lot of shit happening in my body. I do not need that added. <laughs> yeah. Already everything is like, feels like it's chaotic. I can't add the one thing that I'm using That's to like funny. hold on to, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but then once I was in college, I think kind of having that experience and feeling a little bit more like I was my own person outside of the community, outside of my parents, I was a little bit more open to considering it. Mm. So then from there, it was very gradual. And um, I start, I, the big move was that I stopped going to my parents' church and I started going to a wonderful church called Catalyst in Humboldt County, shout out. Um, that was a very like social justice minded. Right. Um, 
And the person who was the pastor of that church at the time, we didn't realize this <laughs> until hindsight, but like he was in the process of losing his faith. Like, wow. so he would give very like Rob Belly in the sermons about like, you know, actually um, in this stage or in this scripture, sin is this Greek word, which actually means, you know, like separation and whatever. So he was really like deconstructing. Yeah. Um, and so that happened really gradually where I was like, okay, at, at the very least, like, I, you know, like I love Jesus and I, and I believe in God, but like everything else I'm not sure about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that, I lived in that space for a while. And then I don't really know. It just gradually, like I said, it didn't feel that much like a tearing down as opposed to a revealing that it's yeah. way more expansive than I thought. And, um, and so it felt like a, a relief. I mean, there was, there was a huge relief element to being like, wait a minute, God is big enough to hold all of this. Like, to, to just have, to hold everybody's journey, you know? Mm. Um, and that was like, I could rest in that a little bit. It wasn't as rigid as I thought it was. It was like, I saw some flexibility in there. Um, and that was a relief. So that happened probably around 21. Um, and then I slowly just kind of stopped going to church uh, and feeling like I still had a spiritual connection. And then um, my, my marriage just started kind of falling apart, not because of that, because he was also on the same journey. Actually, I feel really lucky that, that we were having like a parallel experience. Um, But you just start, you grow, you're growing up and you start realizing and changing, right? Like you are not the 20 year olds that like, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, 20 years old. And really, I made the decision to marry him when I started dating him when I was 17. Right. Because that's kind of what you're doing. Like, Joshua you're not Harris model, you're like, right? Exactly. You're courting. Um, so, so I just, you know, it just, I just started realizing like, wait a minute, the person who decided this di- didn't know herself at all. Mm. And I'm changing and growing and outgrowing and, um, uh, but leaving was the hardest thing. Wow. I mean, up until it was definitely the hardest thing that I had gone through at, uh, in that, at that point, because it really did feel like I wasn't just divorcing this man. I was divorcing the entire community and I was divorcing the version of me that existed yeah. before, before that, you know, like I, who I knew myself to be up until that point, mm. I was divorcing her. Wow. Um, and, and I literally had to move. I mean, I, I knew that I, there was no way to divorce without leaving Spectre entirely because the community was so tight knit and, and um, connected. And I was the one that wanted to leave. Like he mm-hmm. didn't want it. So, um, so I just couldn't handle, I, Another thing that I adopted from the Christian upbringing was this idea of everyone else knows better for me than I do. Wow. Yeah. So 
to make that decision to leave was was me like slaying that dragon of course it still comes up but like in general I had to be like whoa I know everybody who I believe to be smarter than me (laughs) and to be more righteous is telling me not to do the exact opposite yeah but there is something in me that is telling me I, I love the line from Eat Pray Love where she says the only thing more unimaginable than leaving was staying. Mm. And like there there was just this I just got desperate enough that I was like, I I actually can't. I can't stay. Yeah. Um so I had to really face the and luckily I found a good therapist at the time there that was like, who who could know better for you than you? Wow. Like you're in this body and to a, to a Christian. It's so crazy that that's just not a thought. Like that's a, that's a, that's yeah. a profound, like, wow. And like to most human beings, it's like, okay, that's just like a really shitty proverb. Like, like, what, like <laughs> you know, you best. Uh, yeah. Okay. Great advice, buddy. Like, you know what I mean? But for yeah. a Christian, like everything is changed. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Well, if you, if you start by telling somebody that they can't trust their body and they can't even trust their own mind, then it's not really good news when you tell them actually you, you know what's best for you or you are all there is. My brother who I absolutely adore went through a very similar deconstructing journey, but just did it like five years later. So he spent more time in it and he spent more time as an adult defending it. Uh, which I think was a little bit harder and maybe I don't know what it is but he just he had that component a little bit more of like I can't have it just be me because I can't trust myself to know what's right and wrong and like anybody who knows my brother is like what you are like the best person in the world you can trust yourself but it feels really scary if you've never trusted yourself um, to be told you know Well, it's it's a communal gaslighting, right? I mean, it is literally an entire Uh, community saying you, what you're thinking, that little question you've got, that's not true. The truth is that marriage is God's institution. You should never dissolve it under any circumstances. You know, like your question, I don't care if you could be a better you, you know, and what that's not what this is about. This is about you being stable not asking questions, continuing this exact same marriage, like whatever. And it's funny, I look back to my divorce and my wife kind of woke up and was like, this is like, I love you. You love me, but this isn't healthy. This is not, this is like, wow. you know, you kind of yeah. okay buddies kind of hanging out. But like, like, you know, it's not, not yeah. like life changing. We're not going to change the world here. Like, and yeah. neither of us are going to be the happiest selves. And I just wasn't in a place to yeah. do that. Like, I was like, no, I can't do this. There's no way mm-hmm. I could let this fall apart. Like, I had people following me all over the world that were looking up to me as like a Christian kind of like whatever speaker. And, yeah. and they're like, oh, and I'm like, what will people say? And so for me, like, none of it, all, when I looked at it, all my things of like, why should this marriage stay the way it is? The, the mm-hmm. thing of like, I love you that was in there but it was like the eighth answer do you know what i mean like there were so many things like wow actually i really probably looking back i'm like oh and i am a much better healthier happier human because someone else was brave enough to do it but like i was like from every angle unable to see that and i would never well not never i'd have made that decision five ten years later you know what i mean eventually yeah but 
it's just astonishing like how powerful that communal voice of and, and communal perspective when you give over to it or at least just mm -hmm. give it enough of a, 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 a platform to speak from it, it really right. is able to hold you there where you're like i'm yeah i'm not enjoying this marriage but we should definitely make it work we should just keep at it and like just hope yeah change. And i'm not saying you know yeah. people have a bad marriage and they absolutely you can work on things and things get better and like sometimes that sure. i'm not saying like every marriage since has problems you should get up and walk away because all marriages have some hard right. problems every day yeah yeah, yeah absolutely really huge Sorry, right rabbit trail but that's what i do uh, no i love that and i really i i love the phrase communal gaslighting i will i will absolutely with your permission adopt absolutely. that <laughs> i think i just made it up but maybe i probably stole it for someone already so yeah i mean that really is exactly right and it feeds on our um feeds is such a sinister word but like it really works with our biology which mm. is we are pack animals. Yeah. We need, we know that we need community to yeah. survive. Like so there's that. Group, I'm going to starve. Exactly. Yeah. So I need their approval because I, if they leave me, I'm done. And then you have, because of that, I just learned this, that guilt and shame are biologically programmed into us because that is our, um, our mechanism to tell us the, uh oh, the group isn't going to like this. Wow. So like, if you feel guilty about something or you feel shame about something, that's just your animal saying, oh no, people aren't, are, the pack isn't going to like us and then we will die. So wow. as intuitive and as intelligent as our bodies are, we have to also recognize that they are evolutionary animals and that doesn't mean that they are bad or stupid. That just means that it takes, we work with our mind and body, right? Yeah. So that's the feature that the mind can, um, that's when you can invite the mind in and say like, okay, let's have a conversation with this part of me that feels guilty or shameful or feels literally. So people who are deconstructing and or divorcing or whatever and leaving their community, if it feels like you're dying, that's because there is an animal inside of right. you that does that, that is exactly, worried that's going to happen <laughs> yeah. yeah that's exactly what it's supposed to do is wow. to keep you from doing that so that you don't die and it's just a constant nurturing and conversation with yourself I mean I'm like so I'm so one of those people now that like fully believes in talking to yourself like you should be talking to yourself way more than anybody else you know with intentionality i mean we're always running the tape, right but yeah, yeah having intentional loving compassionate conversations with yourself i mean it takes doing that all throughout the day don't do it out loud people might i've noticed myself doing this more out loud i have um since starting to be really intentional with the work with katie's stuff um i yeah. was walking back from the shops and i decided to walk around to the shops which i never do i usually drive um, and I was like, I'll oh, walk. And I'm literally walking along the roads and I'm literally doing the work out loud. It was about the Rob stuff, right? It was like, Phil, what were wow. you doing? Just, I was like, I think now I look at it, I think I just look up to him a lot. I think I wanted Rob to like me. I'm like, oh, what a childish like idea. Like, I don't really care if he likes me overly. Um, yeah. But, like, that's crazy. And, and, and then I turned around and <laughs> someone behind me and I was like, I've just been doing that out loud, haven't I? You know that, that moment where you're like, you yeah. realize, and I'm just like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, I want them 
to not think I'm a crazy person. I like right. how many layers of this is this going to go? But oh, if it's, yeah. it's so fascinating, like that, I've never thought of it like that, but you're so right. And, and I guess Brene Brown's stuff is so linked to like, the shame mechanisms and vulnerability mm-hmm. and get it. When you get it out in the open, when you tell the group and they go, oh, I don't really care. And you're like, oh, the shame's just gone. Because I, yeah. my shame was That's based right. on you caring. And if you don't care, That's right. now there's no shame. But it is this interesting yeah. thing of like, the, the evolution is just such a, a beautiful mechanism that's helped us and saved us, right? All these mechanisms to protect us from pain, suffering, death, you know, whatever it is. And for yeah. hundreds of thousands of years, we've been doing exactly the same thing, you know? And yeah. up until maybe 150 years ago, we were doing the same thing. We weren't even marrying people for love. We were marrying people because right. of connections as far as relationships and power and safety. And what only about 150, right. 200 years ago, someone was like, can I marry someone I love instead of just whoever my parents <laughs> whoever I buy like and that's a revolutionary idea that like the church which is funny we're against like the church was the strongest voice against marrying for love because they were like well everyone's just right. gonna divorce if they marry for love because people fall out of love all the time and they were kind of right on some level but also that's also kind of a good progression but like you see right. the evolutions but like when you start to do the evolution of like personal wellness and wholeness the body just can't catch up when it's been doing something for hundreds of thousands of years. And suddenly we have these radical changes where realistically up until a couple hundred years, it was a massive deal that you fit in with the group. You'd be dead on yeah. the now. Yeah. Eh, I'll move out of Humboldt County. I'll get a flat. Yeah. I'll get a new job. Eh, should be all right. It would be a bit crap for a while. I need to make some friends or, you know, whatever, but like yeah. I'll survive. Right. The, but the body is sitting yeah. there going, Valerie, you're going to die. You are literally going to die. You will starve yeah. to death alone with a broken leg as the elements consume you. You know, like that's what your body is <laughs> yeah. doing to you. It's like, it feels yeah. like we're just so set up for failure on some level with that, that component yeah. of fighting this mechanism that just, you know, it's, it's a little broken on some level. A bit like what we're talking about, oh, pain right. and trauma. It's like, thank you, but you're not really prepared for this world I'm trying to deal with right now. Right. Kind of screwing things yeah. up a little bit. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I... Absolutely. It's so strange because it is like, I mean, that's so well put. And, and I have, I constantly run into situations where my body, my mind is like trying to drag my body and my body is just like, not ready. It's not there yet. And, um, and it is, you know, it's just, I guess it sounds kind of condescending, but I, it is more like now I have all these references with a baby, right? So like, I really kind of think of my body that, that way where you're, you're just like nurturing while also showing like there, let's look under the bed. There aren't, there aren't monsters under the here. Um, and like, it's, it is, it's constantly doing that. So it's, but it doesn't work. Cause I've already tried. So let me just say it doesn't work to, to think of the body as like you, you dumb Neanderthal, like right, yeah, yeah. just catch up already. Yeah, would like, you evolve already? Evolved just take a 20,000 year jump. Would you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, you're so dumb, you know? And I've even had psychedelic trips like that where I'm like, Oh, this like, so limited yeah like oh oh my god it has to pee now oh god like it it has to eat and I feel like that's so indicative of how I was it was really shining a light on truly like what was running in the background of how I was thinking of my body so I mean I mean I I, I'm working on this poem right now that is just like (laughs) like the first 
lines are like this body is a haven this body is a trap like Mm -hmm. it sometimes does feel like well wait a minute is this body like love am I being hugged or am I being like constrained confined exactly so um so I totally understand that and every time I just steer it back towards nurturing like you would a baby towards towards being like you for thousands of years this worked of course you are trying what what worked for thousands of years thank you thank you just that a piece alone like thanking it having compassion for it it really softens everything just kind of at least it might still be there but like the edge isn't there and you're and you realize that your body's tendencies are not so even the guilt and the shame let's say the guilt and the shame aren't the problem the guilt and the shame just are they're neutral yeah it's your own stories about the guilt and the shame it's you holding on to it um it's you believing it it's it's not it's just the clinging it's not the like the the thing will come up and it will pass through you emotions in general are meant to last like 30 seconds to a minute right wow and you really again you see that in toddlers you're like she was I mean the other night she this lasted maybe this was a big one so it lasted like maybe 10 minutes but she was like screaming like oh like she was we couldn't believe it we kept looking at each other like who is making that sound? It was like the exorcist. It was unbelievable. And then I was like, it was a night and I was like, Leela, do you want to go see the stars? And she was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I wish, could I be that person? Could I I be My friends had a a kid and um, he he embodies this so well, uh, my friend Dan. And he was like, like anytime the, the kid would have a meltdown, I would stay with him when I was traveling and speaking in the States. Um, he's up in New England. And uh, he had this kid and like literally every time he had a meltdown, he'd just be like, he, he just picks on. He'd be like, watch this. And he's like, oh, wow, Nova, look out the window. There's a rabbit. And I'm like, that's not a rabbit. And she's like, it's gone. It just ran away. Like, but she's straight to the window and she's given yeah. up on her meltdown. And, and he's like, she's not excited. Yeah. And we're going to go outside and look for rabbits. And he's like, every time he's like, they are so easy to distract. He's like, they don't need to yeah. be upset for more than two or three. Like, let them cry a bit if they need to, but like, let them let, out. let's just distract yeah. them. Let's move on to something else. And I'm like, that's right. Am I doing that? Or am I burying my emotions? Am I distracting myself? I don't even know what the compo- the comparison is, but I feel like there's something in this of what I do. (laughs) Sure. And you can probably look at however your parents handled your tantrums to trace it back to what, how you're handling your emotions now, because my mom would do that, but she didn't do the very important piece of like letting you, letting me let it out. Uh, Again, she's incredible and she did the best that she could, but she will like almost frantically uh, um, look at look at the window look at the you know whatever and and so I learned to I realized I was still doing that in my 30s of right. like if I'm feeling sad to be like um watch TV. Manic, uh, you know? <laughs> eat something yeah just be like just don't no 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 shush, shush. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. don't look at it That's how um I and then <laughs> there are yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly so really the like modern parenting I mean a, a lot of methods are you just 
sit with them in it and you let them mm. f- feel it and, and experience and, and you give them language for it because yeah. they, they're all in their right brain. So they don't have the language. Yeah. So you just say like, yes, you're really sad. You wanted to play with the phone and we can't, oh, oh, you're mad. You're really mad. I see that, mm. you know, um, and you feel kind of ridiculous for doing it, but, but so then they're, though. It's so important. And then this is where like modern parenting kind of uh, diverts. Like some will tell you just do that until they have completely like are on the floor, like, uh, uh, you know, therapy hangover. Yes. Until they've just totally worn themselves out. My therapist who I really trust, who knows a ton about the nervous system she's like eventually they do get to a point where they might need you to help them out of something like they are just totally stuck and spiraling so that's when it's really valuable to be like hey do you want to go see the stars do you want you know um but this is really aligned because i have found that i mean i've i've been doing this trauma work and this embodiment stuff pretty much for the, I mean, starting when I got pregnant. So for the last three years, she's two now. And I was finding that the whole sitting in her tantrum was so aligned because why am I uncomfortable with that? There is the biological element of like, you are meant to respond when your body, when your baby cries. Um, So that's the biology piece that we were talking about. And I am still making peace with my own intense emotions so to have some to have her have extreme intense emotions is just like there's there's something to like my child self is it's like breaking her brain because you're like no 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 we were taught to just really avoid that at all costs and to allow to just sit and hold space nothing bad is happening Mm. there is a pent up amount of energy in your body that needs to be released just let it release you know so so i really found it very the more i would in therapy a big part of the trauma work for me was nurturing my body like she would put pillows at my edges put like a blanket over me i i like have like a the palm stone that I'm always holding and um and then at my I would just kind of let my body do what it wanted to do but a lot of times it just wanted to like sob like so, like shoulder shaking sob um and and it really did just feel like something was being released it felt good it was wow. necessary and the more I had that my own references for that the more I could see Leela's tantrums as the exact same thing like we think that that is the scariest thing to just like let yourself weep, <laughs> but it's so healing and it's not, I mean, for me, I, I will have it not regularly, but when I'm diving into trauma work or whatever, usually there's a week where kind of every day I'll just, it's, it's common knowledge in our house now, I'll just come out of the bedroom and tell people, or I'll go into the bedroom and say like, I need to have a release. Like, I just need to let this out, you know. Don't come in and, if you hear me wailing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. If you hear me wailing, just let it happen. It's not anything so interesting. 
It's so huge. Yeah. I, I think of that a lot. Like I really struggle to name my emotions. I, I have, um, so clinically it's called um, alexithymia, which is that you mm. do not know how to name your emotions. So basically in your hemispheres, you have the emotion on one side and you, you are able to label it and understand the emotion on the other. And in certain people that there's no bridge between the two or the bridge is damaged. And so it's really common in people that have autism, about 50% of people that are autistic can't name their emotions um, because that connection doesn't uh, fire. The big question is how much is it genetic and how much is it, you know, socially constructed? Um, And they don't know. I mean, no, no one really knows. It's very hard to kind of get data on that. Um, but I do know for me, we didn't, we didn't, well, my memory's really bad as well. So you, you were talking earlier about, you know, like going back to your early, like, I have, like, I can't remember last week, never mind like when I was four. Or, um, but I do think looking back and, and seeing how my parents interacted, how they interacted with us, they were so amazing. Like, honestly, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. choose other parents. I just, you know, like you look around, and you're like, no, yeah. I still want my parents. They were, they were honestly amazing. Absolutely had their flaws, but so do I, you know, I mean, I still like me. Yeah. Um, but oh, yeah. I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't think there was this thing of like, oh, I was sad. I could go to my parents and I would be like, ah, I don't know what's going on. This is going on. And I'd be like, oh, it's okay. You feel sad. Someone at school betrayed you or, you know, like that's rejection. Yeah. That's betrayal. That's, you know, like all these. And I, and I just don't have that connection. And it's astonishing. Yeah. Like to the point where, like I mentioned earlier, my wife will literally come up at the end of the day and go, how's your day going? I'm like, yeah, okay. And she's like, you don't look okay and I'm like oh, actually I don't know like uh, yeah I, I've got this thing in my chest and she's like you feel anxious or sad or rejected and I'm like I don't know I, I don't know it's just my chest feels heavy and then she'll tell me about yeah. your day and I'll start and I'll get to like you know 11 p.m and I'll be like oh someone I was trying to help like just snapped at me and went crazy and was yelling at me and she's like oh do you think and she's like when did it start and I'm like, oh, about that time and I'm like she's like maybe do you think like maybe you're a bit upset or her and but I just I I I can only kind of retroactively kind of make those connections and I'm getting better at closing that window which I think is doing that work of like whatever it's building that bridge or um but how how crazy it is these like little simple things and I don't hold it against my parents because they were busy doing other things that made them amazing parents as well you know like they were focused on whatever it was that they knew to do to make great impact on my life um, yeah. but a little thing like that, not knowing, oh, how important it is to just sit with the child and go, oh, you're crying. Why are you crying? This happens. Oh, that must make you feel very afraid. Or, you know, like just a really, again, I get excited. I think actually I'm going to get a lot of healing watching my kid, teaching them how to name their emotions. I'll be like, oh, that's what I'm feeling as well. Oh, I feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit selfish. <laughs> No, that's it. That is, that is, I mean, that's not like a reason to have a kid, but (laughs) it is one of the huge gifts that it gives you is that you are, it's, there's so many parallels between parenting your child and reparenting your child self. Like it's very, very valuable. And I just, I guess I want to say, because you were so nice to your parents, but I also feel that way about my parents. My parents were incredible and a huge reason why my deconstruction went so smoothly I mean as smooth as it can go um because they laid such a deep foundation of of like truly what matters is love like love is is you can kind of tear everything else down love is what remains and they showed incredible flexibility when I kind of changed my faith 
and got a divorce, of course, that like made them kind of question everything. I mean, my poor mom, especially who believed that God had told her that I was supposed to marry my husband. So like she now, now my divorce kind of results in her feeling betrayed by God. And I watched them really struggle with that and ultimately just return back to like, okay, the only thing I know is to love and serve people and to love my kids unconditionally. And so I feel so great, grateful that they did that. And I, like I said, I can look back on their parents and be like, whoa, you guys came so far. Absolutely. so, so like, I, I want to say that they definitely did uh, like such a good job and the best that they could, but yeah, we didn't really have a lot of this information. No, it's not at all. Very new. And, and the thing that nobody was really doing for kids, except for maybe Mr. Rogers <laughs> was like, how, how did that make you feel? Mm. Where, where do you feel that in your body? Um, what is your experience and and like okay I'm you're sad I'm gonna just let's sit let's sit here together and and be sad you know like there was just no honoring of those emotions and we just we didn't have the information um I also wanted to say do you know Daniel Siegel he's like he's kind of a guy in the trauma world but I don't think so he also, sorry, I keep bumping my camera. He, um, he also is a parent. So I know him from parenting books, but then I just took this trauma summit um, that Sounds True did. And he gave a, a talk on trauma. And I realized he's just like a big person in the psychology world in general. Wow. Um, but he teaches the same kinds of things, which is that inter- integration method of like left brain, right brain. Um, so I really recommend you could read any book, even the parenting books. And it sounds like your wife is kind of, and you are for yourself, but it sounds like your wife is doing exactly what (laughs) you do. I need to be really careful. I don't get like weirdly codependent on it. Like I honestly, I'm (laughs) like, I need to be careful. I don't turn you into some sort of like mother that's like teaching me my emotions or, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, she teaches like really young kids as well. So like, I'm basically like this, like eight-year-old kids crying in the playground and she said what do you do you know I don't know <laughs> yeah there's, there's some weird yeah. stuff that I'm like okay this could go in a place where I just end up leaning on you all the time so um but yeah she's but what she... a gift as well um because I do need to lean absolutely. quite often <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so and that his, is, that's you, you said pretty much all his books are great but like do you have like uh, if people are listening like what's your like this is the one that that just grabbed you or or you think I... it's entry I think actually a good entry is just going to his website and looking at the wheel of awareness. That's okay. his concept. And I think that he has a lot of resources. So you don't even necessarily have to read a book. Um, you can just go to his website and, and that will give you a good idea. And then you can look at whatever book I does. It depends. Like if you want a child's book, no drama right. discipline is incredible or the whole brain child is incredible. Like, I mean, I mostly know him from, from the parenting world, but, sure. uh, but you can also like look up lectures and stuff that he's given and any, awesome. anything. He really makes this through line of integration and consciousness and everything. 
So for the wheel of awareness, it's taking like your, your sensations, your thoughts, your experiences or something like that. But the important part is at the hub is pure awareness. So it goes back to that idea of like, you have a wise undamaged self that you can practice identifying with and then you can kind of see everything else way clearer because you the the problem isn't your thoughts or your emotions or your trauma or your sensations the problem is that you can get fully identified with those and you forget who you who you truly are so fascinating all these kind of it just feels like we're on the cusp of integrating a lot of spirituality with um the soft and hard even hard sciences right with kind of quantum mechanics and stuff like that but like certainly the soft sciences of like you know psychoanalysts you know psychology all this different stuff like yeah it seems so interwoven with things like zen and buddhism and you know like i mean katie stuff like i mean it's just like you're like oh yes it's so fascinating to me it really is exciting um, it's so exciting yeah. and I felt the same way because as I was doing my trauma work I kind of had compartmentalized that as different from my spiritual work mm. and once I found that there are countless psychologists that are also Buddhists or whatever I I was like okay I, I'm gonna just take this as a sign that these are my guides and I'm yeah. on the right path because things are really connecting that I never thought would Um, and that's mind, body, spirit, right? Like we've had people telling us for centuries that those things are connected. (laughs) Like, when are we going to believe them? (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. That's beautiful. So how, where do you see yourself? Do you, do you, I mean, uh, I'm always fighting off any labels and so I'm I'm not going to thrust upon you the requirement to label yourself, but is there traditions that you, you go, Mm -hmm. oh gosh, this feeds me so much more right now than anything else is is there certain like spiritual paths um and and traditions that you go gosh that's my that's my jam right there Um, yeah that's a great question it's very interesting because I I don't know if I've found that purely in a tradition as mm. but I certainly find teachers that I can tell I'm like this is exactly what I need um so Eckhart Tolle Mm. Byron Katie as we've mentioned um Richard Rohr and I mean they're all from Ram Dass so there there you have you have like four different kinds of traditions yeah um and Pema Chodron who I also love has a great um a great chapter of her book called like one boat or something and and she says like you can kind of explore all these different traditions but eventually you need to find a boat and stick to it Mm. it's this idea of like instead of building 10 five foot holes you want to build one 50 foot hole so like I guess the the point behind that is you will just keep you need to follow one through into your darkness because otherwise you will keep jumping traditions every time it starts to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And what's so interesting is that I, you keep challenging me. (laughs) Well, exactly what I do. (laughs) Well, you're not alone. And what I was, you'll like what I'm about to say. I totally agree with that. And 
I don't feel like that's what I'm doing right now because I know that I am going to my dark places. Mm -hmm. So I also think that there's something to be said about cherry picking, which is a term that like Christians will warn you against (laughs) where you, it, I don't, I, for me, because I am coming from the the one boat and everybody else needs to get right. on this boat or they're going to sink. Yeah. It actually, at this stage in my life is really healing for me to be like, it's not that rigid. I can actually yeah. flow into whatever teaching I need to flow into right now. And I'm trusting that that's where I'm meant to be because I have followed, I've, I've been trained in mindfulness through the Buddhist tradition. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I love most of this, but there is something here that is keeping me from being like, this is, this is it. I'm all in with this. That's how I feel about Buddha as well. It grabs me so deeply and it's so helpful, but I'm also on some level going, yeah, this better (laughs) not be it. Like, yeah, it's gotta be this something and I don't know what it is and maybe that's my my fear my ego terrified because if I do fully embrace it what will die right I don't know yeah Um, yeah but I'm sure the Buddhists would say that that's what it is (laughs) yeah no they would I was I was very conscious of it when I was talking to um Stephen last week and I was just like uh, don't 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 mention any kind of like limitation of Buddhism in my mind because I know he'll just yeah. trigger it real good and I'm gonna have to go deep down that that hole. Um, yeah, it's too much. I find right. it beautiful about my tradition, about my 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 journey through Christianity. Like my God, most of it rah, disgusting, but yeah, so much of it. I'm like yes, and and someone like Richard Rohr, right? You're just like yes, yes, yes. That's, that's right. Christianity. I could I I want some of that in my Buddhism. Right. right. And you and see you, that it is, it is that it's not separate. Like I've yeah. come to now, I will say at this point, I, I mean, like I am closing my eyes and God, as I've come to understand her, <laughs> um, is right here. I mean, like it's, it's not, I don't feel a separation. I did for a long time and I kind of got through that dark night of the soul, but now I, I feel like the the way that I understand Christianity in its purest form is the exact same thing as Buddhism and the exact same thing as Hinduism. And it's just different figures pointing to the exact same thing, which is like this pure awareness, this oneness with everything, this, this love and kind universe that gets misunderstood um, through our own experiences. I mean, like it's all, I, so I guess if you were giving me a label, I would say mystic, but like, to me, I'm like, it's all, it's all mystic. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah which type of form. mysticism? Like, and it's like all of it. Yeah. I like it all. all of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I mean, I really do still when I, when I am like communicating with God, whether I'm just meditating and sitting in it or, or praying, like sometimes a good old fashioned prayer feels really right. Yeah. Um, you still have some sort of personification of God. Is that, does that linger in you to some degree where, where a she is helpful 
um, mm, this benevolent mm-hmm. mother or is that mm-hmm. dissipating you know like you ask someone more Buddhist and like you know it's like no it's just it's reality itself or like yeah. h- how do you conceptualize God when you I mean maybe in yeah. all of the above I don't know <laughs> yeah absolutely in everyone, right yeah I um I would say that the mother is definitely the, the most often used oh sorry I'm getting knocked okay. hello come in come in Come in. Oh, I think that's my daughter. Oh, never fine. mind. <laughs> it's you okay. Go to her if you need to. It's okay. She's with the babysitter. She's okay. totally fine. She must have heard my voice and oh, is knocking. Bless. It's um, like that, um, the, you remember the toddler video with the big yellow jacket coming strutting in on the news reporter? I oh, yeah. I wanted that moment. I almost had that moment once on one episode of my show, but the, the child, like, kind of like just closed the door. And like walked away. I was like, I was this close to one of those amazing moments. Um, but yeah, I day. love it. I can recognize her tiny little fist knock. Like it's Aww. it's different. Than yeah, yeah, yeah. She can knock pretty hard, but um, but yeah. So and it's funny that I said the word mother, and then my child literally started knocking at the door. Um, but but that is sometimes it's like sometimes it really helps me to think of like the divine mother and give it that personification. A lot of times, though, it's just, it's more ethereal than that, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just like the light, the, it's the thing that's looking out of my eyes into your eyes is the same thing that's looking out of your eyes into my eyes. Yeah. Like, it's that, it's that you could build a human body perfectly. I mean, we don't, we can't, we don't have science yet, but right. <laughs> you could build a perfect, exact human body and there still wouldn't be that that breath of that like spark mm. of force. So whatever that is, that's yeah. that's kind of what I call God. Um, but when I communicate to God, I still part of it is exactly the same as it was uh, growing up. So like that's what I mean by it. It encompasses yeah. the God that I was praying to when I was ten. You know. Um, it's changed a little bit in that I'm, I don't think that that's, it's, you know, I'm just getting a bigger picture. You're not limited to it, but it's still very exactly as far as a framework to use. Yeah. And a lot of times my communications with God, where I really feel connected, I'm like, oh yeah, you're like my old buddy that I've always known. Right. And you're all these other things. Remember the too. time <laughs> when we were in the four square? <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird phase, huh? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So funny. Oh, I, love <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. Wow, thank I really you so feel... much. Honestly, this yeah. has been amazing. So, so, so good. Honestly, I feel like I, I had a big list and I feel like in the back of my head, I'm like, I still got about 20 questions I could ask you about all this stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I, honestly, could t- I could talk so to you for, for hours. Yeah. Well, maybe I, we could do I this again it. at some point in the future, but... Uh, Honestly, I love the wisdom you bring to the table, and uh, I'm so thankful because I, I, you were always the 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 mentioned in passing, sweet lady Val that that Pete would mention, and and yeah. suddenly there's substance to you, and I'm like, wow, this person is amazing. I want to know more. I want to pick their brains. I want to hear more of what they've got. It's a bit weird. I will say, I was saying to my wife before this, I was like, it's gonna be weird listening to Val at like regular speed because i listen to all my podcasts at like point one two, uh maybe like one two five one three so you're like so much more chill than like on my podcast where you're like speaking 
which I will say <laughs> on Pete's show is pretty dangerous anyway, generally speaking. Yeah. It can be pretty, pretty uh, fast paced. I'm very fast paced. I don't know if anyone ever listens to me faster than one. Um, but yeah. no, it's, it's been such a, such a joy to kind of have a person yeah. to put to the, the voice in my head the last kind of three <laughs> or four weeks. It's been helping me do so much great work, having me talk to myself mm-hmm. as I go to the shops and embarrass myself um, yeah. and do more work on that. And yeah, it's been really yeah. great. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so honored that you invited me on and I, I love this talking about this stuff. So I'll come back anytime. You should talk about this stuff a lot more, um, honestly. So I'm really keen. So for people that are listening, like what's, I mean, obviously people should go listen to um, the We Made It Weird section Mm -hmm. of You Made It Weird, which is Pete's uh, podcast. Don't listen to the rest of the stuff, just We Made It Weird. Um, (laughs) That's obviously a great way for them to kind of dive a bit deeper into some of like what you're doing. Are you guys going to do this long-term? Is this now a a thing that's going to happen? Or is this kind of like a, eh, during COVID, we'll see, like, or is it very like, who knows? (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of who knows, like everything in life right now. Right. Uh, But we're, we're loving doing it. And, and um, so, yeah, there's no end in sight right now. We're just going to keep, keep at it. And um, yeah, I feel like that's the best way at this point to access me. I um, do you do social media or anything or are you kind of like, yeah, because I know I follow on Instagram, but I don't know if that's a big thing. I know some people are like, I'm on Instagram, but please don't follow me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I've had people, I have my brother and my sister-in-law on the show and they were like, "Uh, no, I don't want anyone following us. They were like, no. Yeah, they're like, why'd you bring that up? Edit that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't exist. Yeah. Give us pseudonyms. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, no, I would love for anybody to follow me on Instagram. That's the best way. I'm not really on okay. Twitter or Facebook, honestly, because I can't remember my login. <laughs> uh, what a joy, so though. Both of those places are just cancer to my soul honestly I just yes. hate them both so much right what is it about Instagram like I know Instagram can be nasty sometimes but in my experience it's just like that's where people bring their like best selves or their yeah. loving selves or something I don't know I think there's something um, about you're not with Facebook you kind of you don't have to but you kind of follow everyone that follows like there's a mutuality to it and so sure. then someone adds you and you're like and then you're automatically connecting them if you accept and then you're looking at something like gosh you're an idiot or like oh that's yeah. the worst or all these terrible yeah. dualistic kind of judgments we start making um and it's yeah. like you vote for who or whatever yeah. right um yeah and now that's something I really want to go into but another time we should go into like all kinds of because <laughs> oh, like, yeah. you're very big on social justice you've been talking a lot about black life matter and stuff and that with yeah. this lens of doing the work of being an observer and not judging and yet being active in this world I think you do really well and, I, and I've loved what you have said on the podcast so anyway rabbit hole but yeah this it's yeah. a weird world Facebook and Twitter as well it's just it's a lot and I'm just like no I want the pretty pictures every now and again some somehow more of a bubble this I don't know if it's yeah. just protecting myself from a whole world on Instagram where there are like I don't know neo-nazis and who knows I just don't see yeah them. they don't show up yeah like, they're not commenting on my stuff it's amazing I love it yeah I know um, that's exactly how I feel it I somehow have curated like a uh everybody I follow I'm happy to see their posts yeah. and everybody who dms me or comments it's like they're just so loving and it's like this this wonderful supportive space so um so you can find me at valerie and cheney c-h-a-n-e-y um 
because I used to, my, my middle name is Anne. And when I was a kid, I thought my name was Valerie and Cheney. Like those were my two Amazing. names. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that. yeah, I, and then if you follow me, I will, I always post like about the, the podcast. And then if I'm doing, I, like I said, I do teach mindfulness right now. I'm doing, I'm just teaching one like zoom class that's private. But if I end up doing something that's open to the public, I'll, I'll be announcing it on there. Oh, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's the, that's the best way to get to me at this point. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, yeah, everyone should go and check you out for sure. Cause mm. I'm loving it. I, I, you don't do much Thank on Instagram you. though. I will say like, you need to step it up. Well, it's Cause I have a, a toddler. I, know. <laughs> I literally, I have a toddler who, if I take out my phone, she goes, oh. baby baby because mm-hmm. she wants to watch videos of herself <laughs> so any instagramming i do i have to do like sitting in the car or like yeah. on the toilet or you know like cling them to you and hold the phone behind and like... <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know that's i'm so terrible funny. at texting back too so i just oh, am not great nice. at the phone right now <laughs> that's funny all right awesome yeah. well thank you so much honestly it's been such a privilege um such a joy yeah. as well what a great conversation Um, yeah i had a great time thank you so much for having me yeah of course all right well much love to you give my love to pete as well and um thank him for having you on the show because it's honestly it's enriched my life um yeah and i'm sure we'll 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 speak again i'll I'll let you know when this is out and stuff as well post on instagram and yeah wonderful awesome well thank you so much love you you later yeah bye okay yeah bye everyone that was valerie cheney i loved talking with Val. Um, I think it was in the moment when we both uh, bonded over the big fish. I had a stepbrothers moment. I I felt like, did we just become best friends? You know, this weird moment of uh, bonding over such bizarre, small things. And uh, I absolutely love talking with Val there. And and I really do encourage you um, to check her out. Do um, give her a follow on Instagram. It's Valerie and Chaney. Um, there's a link in the show notes. I'll put a link in the YouTube. Um, I'll tag her on Instagram and stuff as well so you can um, find her. But check her out. Shoot her a message. Let her know that you love this. Um, and, and do check out the podcast that she's doing with Pete. Her husband uh, is Pete Holmes. Um, I don't know if um, many of you are familiar with Pete, but I love his podcast. He's got a great podcast called You Made It Weird, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Um, and they are doing a podcast as we talked about in the podcast. Um, they're doing a podcast together called We Made It Weird. And, and that's a part of the You Made It Weird podcast. So if you search You Made It Weird on your podcast app, you will find their stuff. I'll link to that in the show notes as well for you. Um, but I encourage you, check out Val, dive into her stuff that she's doing with Pete. Um, check out her stuff on Instagram. She's doing some amazing stuff on Instagram. She's um putting out some really helpful educational stuff as well um, on a whole bunch of different um, issues, current popular issues um, uh, and issues that need to be more popular in, in, in my opinion at least. Um, and so do check her out, uh, dive into that stuff. As I mentioned at the top of the show, um, do check out the deconstructionnetwork.com if you're going through deconstruction, if you are going through a pr- process of feeling lonely, isolated in your deconstruction the deconstructionnetwork.com is perfect for you. It helps you find other people in your local area, connect with them, and and just maybe not feel so alone in the journey of losing faith, of, of radical shifts in faith or changing faith, and 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 in um, feeling ostracized from a prior community and, and, and group of friends or family. Um, so do check that out. 
Um, there's a website called thegracecourse.com if you're wanting to explore spirituality and still hold on or be tethered to um, your Christian tradition, your backgrounds. There's a lot of great resources on there of how you can incorporate some of those Christian faiths or how you can see things differently, um, maybe a bit more progressively or something like that, but still root it in tr Christian tradition, orthodoxy, maybe the Bible. There's great t tools there for, for you to, to check out if, if you're so inclined. A lot of people aren't, and that's totally okay. It doesn't have to be your uh, your drug of choice. Um, and finally, as I said again at the top as well, all this stuff that I'm doing is absolutely free. I never ask for money, um, but there is an opportunity to share um, and, and support what I'm doing. Um, I do this full time. It's 50 plus hours a week I spend chatting with you guys, helping people in their journey, um, you know, putting out resources, you know, all the different bits and pieces I do with you guys, Q and A's, live videos. Um, I do that free because I really believe we've all been burned enough by religious leaders, Christian leaders, thought leaders, um, charging us ex in exorbitant amounts to, to help us grow, to give us some sort of spiritual input. And I just think we're all done with that a bit, aren't we? And um, so I, do, I feel like I do not want to add to any triggers that people have with money. Um, but if you are um, able and you want to support what I'm doing, uh, Phil Drysdale on Patreon or phildrysdale.com slash partner and we've got a private discussion group that you get access to there's monthly zoom calls there's a few other perks as well I can't give you too many perks because everything I do is free but uh, by all means feel free to do that by all means feel free not to there's never any uh, requirement and how I respond to you how I engage with you never changes the stuff will always be free I'm always here on Instagram please dm me I spend two, three, four, five hours sometimes a day chatting with people on Instagram, helping them on their journeys. And so if you are on Instagram, give me a follow, Phil Drysdale, um, and, and let me know you, you listened, talk to me about whatever's going on in your life, and I'd love to connect with you and, and help you on that journey, whatever that looks like. All right, I'll leave you for now. I'll catch you on Thursday for another podcast. Catch you later.